1: Hey guys, brand new podcast. Uh, it is February so whatever. It's Wednesday. They always drop on Wednesdays. Uh, real quick before I forget, Pete Holmes. He was just on Joe Rogan. He's got a new show called Crashing on um, on HBO that's coming out February nineteenth. I think it's February. I'm almost certain it's February nineteenth. So check it out. If you don't know, I've had Pete on my podcast. I've been on his podcast. He's a really great guy. He's a really funny guy. He's had an HBO special that's fantastic. So just check it out. Not going to beat you over the head about it. But uh, I think about supporting good comedy and supporting good content. Uh, I did a live dollop last night. Uh, I know you guys love the dollop episode with uh, Gareth Reynolds and uh, and Dave Anthony. And that is, it is really Really, really funny. It is. And so you can find that. Go to their podcast. I know a lot of you guys have hit it up, but it's a live one. We did it nervous Nerdist Meltdown, and then all the benefits they gave to the ACLU. Pretty impressive. Um, big stuff on the horizons. I will definitely say that. Uh, I posted a video on Facebook uh, and on YouTube and on Twitter about the raffle it was a really a really inspiring raffle that i did wait staff raffle if you don't know what i do i have everyone in the audience give a dollar and then i raffle it off to someone in the wait staff at the end of the night and they the pots get up to like 400 bucks sometimes and it you know it's really great i don't do it because i'm a humanitarian honestly i mean quite honestly i'm just a regular person i don't think i'm not thinking bigger than myself a lot of times, it's a great way to kill it, check spots. So, <laughs> but Leanne really loves it, so she kind of was like, "You got to keep doing this." So, uh, I'll keep doing it. I am not going to turn it into my signature bit, but I'll keep doing it. It's fun, and and these wait these kids that are waiting tables, or it, it's you know, it's more money than they might see in in the weekend. So, it really you know, the last ones we've had. One girl uh, was getting, now going to get her car fixed when she won. Another one won in San Diego, and she was going to Canada the next day. And all the proceeds, she's like, oh, my God, I get to have the trip I want to have. Like, I had all these things I want to do that I couldn't afford, now I get to do them all. I was like, wow. One girl was pregnant, and she was like, oh, my God, we get to get the nice car seat. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. Another girl had just had a baby. Um, another girl was getting rid of a baby, which was like super, you know. No, I'm kidding. And then the one... That I just released yesterday which is because it's Wednesday for you is is a really great one it's this guy Greg I'm not going to spoil it for you but I will tell you you will cry go to my Facebook go to my YouTube go to my Twitter you can find it anywhere you know where everything is uh, I mentioned this all the time laughable.com check them out uh, I just love them uh, real quick uh it is I've been using them a lot lately because I got into this guy, Sam Harris, and then Sam Harris has these interesting guys on his podcast. And so I just basically vine swing. It's the same way that you would vine swing from YouTube video to YouTube video to YouTube video. You get obsessed with Hoyler Gracie and then all of a sudden you're like, oh I'm watching all those old fights, I'm doing all this. It's the same concept. They've got Comedians of the Week or Comedians of the Day or Favorite Comedians, Favorite podcasts, And then once you click on it, it shows you all the other stuff they've been on. So check it out. Uh, I know Ari Fitzsimmons, I think Shane Moss is going to start working with them. And it's just trying to spread out a cool app for podcasts. That's all. Uh, and uh, and we are off to London. Oh, I'm off to Seattle. I'm in Seattle this week. I'm in Seattle this week. I'm doing one show in London. I apologize, London. I couldn't add another show because it, it is – it was too late, and we didn't get ahead of the bus. And but that doesn't mean I'm not coming back. I think I'm going to come back in an open week very soon. Do a bigger theater, maybe like uh, something a little more manageable, and then hop over to Ireland and do some shows in Ireland. Because I got a lot of people from Ireland reaching out. So, but I will be in London. So, if, you know, if you really got a hair up your ass and you want to grab a beer with me, I'll tell you where I'll be. The, uh, my wife's shaking her head right now my wife and I are gonna do our black sales podcast at the end of this podcast but this podcast is fantastic really fantastic um, and so and it's a long one so at the last 15 20 minutes of this podcast will be me and my wife's recap for black sales and yes we will be doing it for Game of Thrones because f- I have a lot of questions anyway that's not what you'll hear that at the end don't worry about that um, and is that it That's got to be it, uh, Seattle this weekend at parlor live in Bellevue, uh, London, that show's sold out. I will be doing some podcasts in London. Uh, then I'm in San Antonio. Then I'm in Portland. Then I think I'm in Columbus for the call and sick to work show that's happening in Columbus. Is it, is it mean something that, oh shit, I just got 128 gigabyte, um, SD card videos are up on my Facebook of these podcasts nowadays, guys. So, uh, for those of you guys who missed the video portion or you like watching the video portion, they're up. I'm posting them all the time. And the one that I'm posting this podcast that I'll be posting this evening or tomorrow morning, depending on, um, is a good one because we, we smoke cigars in the man cave. I love it. I really love it. Yeah portland richmond funny bone we're trying to do a call and sick to work show in dc but we can't come up with a uh i think a number that everyone's happy with so that may not happen but a call and sick to work show on the 10th of march in dc calling sick to work in columbus uh i think albany's been canceled everybody i apologize and then we're in omaha spring break wise guys salt lake city wild west comedy show wild west comedy is going to be insane That is Vince Vaughn's festival, and that's in Tennessee, in Nashville. And I think I'm doing a call and stick to work show there. Yuck, yuck's Calgary, and it goes on. Anyway, that's all the ads. Those aren't even ads. Let's just keep it up. Um, I will share this with you before I announce this podcast. Someone hit a little bit of a fucking target today, and he's a little happy about it. Do you want to mention what it was, Leanne?
0: I think happy is not the right word. I think it may be emotional. Emotional? Yeah, I think you're a little emotional.
1: I'm a little freaked out by it. You're it a little, really yeah. caught me off guard. Mm-hmm. Do you want to tell them what it was?
0: Size 34 waist.
1: I bought size 34 jeans. I got to be honest with you. Um, there was a lot of... There's a lot of touch and go with this whole fat-shaming thing with me and Segura, and Segura's still in the thick of it. He's now fat-shaming Tom Do, Donald Trump, and he's got these Trump is fat shirts that he's selling, and all the proceeds go to, a, I think, a children's hospital. So get one. It'll be a collector's item. Trust me. The career trajectory that I see Tom Segura having is uh, astronomical. I'm being serious when I say this. It's paced, however, meteoric. Meteoric, not a meteor, not, meaning not...
0: Meteoric,
1: not m- not mediocre. Mediocre-ic. Yeah, meteoric. So get a shirt because ten years from now, when he's doing arenas and he sees a Trump of his fat shirt, he is going to giggle, and you will have your get to have your moment with Segura. So get your Trump his fat shirt. Screw politics. Support these kids. Whatever, whatever, just whatever you think about whatever. Just get this shirt, and uh, and that's that. I think that's that no size 34 jeans so it was touch and go with this fat shaming shit and uh but I, you know i have to say it ultimately worked i'm still eating really healthy i'm still working out i just walked five miles i'm going to crossfit at 6 30 in the morning with johnny blade and uh i'm, fe- I'm feeling really good I haven't drank in the last couple nights uh even i didn't even drink at the dollop i think gareth was caught off guard he was like he was like They don't, then you know, they don't have alcohol here, right? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, you didn't bring any. I go, no. He was like, oh my God, this is an eight minute intro people. I'm I'm sorry. I'm dragging on. I know you guys like to catch up, but whatever. Now today's guest, uh, and I, I, I always do a little bit of an intro. So you know who it is. I assume you already know who he is, but if you don't give me a second. Um, we talk about this in the podcast, but Tom Rhodes was a Florida comic, same genre. A group of guys like uh, Brewer and Gardell and Hedberg, and those were all their, his boys. One of his best friends is Stanhope. He is. Uh, he started. He's been doing comedy now thirty. I think thirty three years is his anniversary. Um, he also took off to Amsterdam for a period and hosted a late night talk show, which I think we talked about on the last podcast, but he did that I think for seven years and was like massively famous in Amsterdam and he travels the world aggressively, insightfully, spiritually, and passionately. He literally does. And you know, I had that job for seven years on travel channel where I was, Doing the exact same thing, and I never had the insights he had, and and so we talk about travel for the first portion. So if you are have any plans of travel, this is going to be fantastic. And then we just start bullshitting towards the end. But like I said, stand-up comedian moved out to San Francisco from Florida, then down to you know, I don't know if my, I'm not I'm not going to give you his bio, but Tom Rhodes, he's one of my one of the few comics that I really, really, really. Uh, admired when I first started. And I wanted to be like he had that Hicks-esque nest to him. He had this coolness, long hair, love booze. He's been sober now for, I think, three years. And uh, and this is a great podcast. You're going to really love it. Sorry for the long intro, everybody. Ten minutes. What am I, Mark Marin? Hey. Who, Kramer, come home. What's the name what? of his cat? Boomer know. Lives. <laughs> Kramer, come home. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, today's podcast: Tom Rhodes.
0: This is the oh
1: podcast. These cigars are pretty fucking phenomenal. I had one last night watching the game. That game was fucking amazing. That was incredible. I was really fucking into I it. Atlanta, but that was still incredible. Yeah, let's see, seven seven six six. I think we're good. Yeah, I. Uh, I love this. I love. I have a. I. I, I love. Um, I think I'm a man of leisure, you know, you
2: you strike me as a, uh, as a man who's, um, you have a high capacity for,
1: um, luxury. You know what my thing is? I'm talking to my therapist about this. I have a fucked up reward system. (laughs) So I believe I have a low threshold for when I feel like I've earned a reward. So like, I feel like (laughs) (laughs) you should just constantly be rewarding yourself. (laughs) I feel that way. I don't think, but why, why do you see a therapist? I see a therapist. Oh, I see a therapist because I was. I had, this is going to sound so inflated, but like I was having PTSD from Travel Channel because I was doing. I know I was doing like three bucket list adventures once a day within a ten hour, twelve hour, sometimes eighteen hour day, and it was just it was just overwhelming, and I was never decompressing. It was like I would do it, and then I never really would talk about it. Didn't I just have time to reflect. Never had any reflection on it, and you know you had. A, I'd have a lot of days where I was like can't believe i'm alive you know like jumping off a stadium or swimming with great white sharks or just you know fucking repelling and i fell off of, and then i and then and then i ended up getting really hurt and i think all of that started adding up and just being like stuck in my emotional bank how'd you hurt yourself i fell off a waterfall no shit yeah like 15 feet onto my back and uh had to crawl out of a ravine and then it was just it was super unhealthy it was really fucking mother fuck and so uh And so, yeah, and so one night, one day I was in Knoxville, and I was just having a spin out. I couldn't quantify emotion, and I was getting upset over the littlest things, and I was supposed to fly home, and I think I was flying to somewhere out of the country the very next day, and they pushed my flight forward, and I wasn't going to see the girls, and I I just spun out, and my wife was like, all right, call production. She's like, we're going to push production, but you're going to a therapist. You're going to come home, and I landed. And she was like, you have therapy in like two hours. Wow. And it was cool. It was, I love it. I, I I skipped it this week because I was doing press, but uh, I love it. I could do it. I could – it really kind of helps me like figure out what's wrong with me. The first thing I said to him is like, oh, I'm a big drinker. I go, we need to keep tabs on that. And he was like, okay. And so he can tell when I'm drinking a lot because I skip therapy. He's like, "Uh," he's like, I haven't talked to Bert in two weeks, so I'm assuming he needs to talk to me. <laughs> My wife's like, oh, yeah. So I went to a
2: therapist once when I was living in Amsterdam. I thought I was um, I, don't, I don't know. I was going through some shit. Uh, I had moved there. I, I was just constantly traveling around the world. I was yeah. just uh, you were the first comic to really do that. But your travel is well, kind of American comedians because a lot of those London English comedians, they do the worldwide circuits. Yeah. So me getting in with London was the key to the worldwide circuits for me. Really? Now a lot of American guys
1: are, are playing all over the world. But uh, now now. now. But like like Burr just did India. Yeah. Like I'm saying like not even like, I mean people can go oh Eddie F's been doing Australia and and Russell Peters but like right now because of Netflix people are starting to do the world right. And I started doing the worldwide circuits
2: twenty years ago, and that was because I got in with London and that led to gigs all over Europe,
1: Asia, Australia. New do TV. you feel like? Do you feel like? How old were you when you moved to Amsterdam? I feel I feel Ooh. very similar to you. In a way, and I'll tell you in a second. But wh- how were you when you moved there? I moved example? there in 2000. So, so what? I was 33.
2: 33. Yeah. Okay. Just and turned 50 a couple weeks ago.
1: Did you? Oh yeah, yeah. I saw you. Yeah. Uh, you did a birthday thing at the at the in Bangkok. Oh no, no, no. You were cel- I did a show cel- in Thailand. You were celebrating. I'm sorry. You're celebrating 30 years of comedy. 33 years of comedy. I years started comedy. when I was 17. Was yeah. that yesterday? Uh, it was uh, Saturday. Yeah. 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 February Volk, 4th. Congratulations. Thanks, I'm man. almost. I started when I was 26 and I'm 46, 44 right now. But I feel like I went through what you went through while I was doing Travel Channel and you went to Amsterdam. I've been thinking about this a lot lately because you came back and you were like, oh, time to start all over in the American road circuit. And when I got done – doing amps, doing Travel Channel, I had to go, oh, God, time to start all over in the American road circuit. Like, that's how I feel. So you're done with Travel Channel? I'm done right now. No you know what I mean? For, yeah. I mean, I, I, I always say I have a working relationship with them. I'd like to ideally get famous and then do whatever project I want with them. I love the people at Scripps, but for the time being, I'm taking a break and just focusing on stand-up because I, I felt like if I, if I didn't... Then I'd miss my opportunity to do stand up. Yeah, you're going to get uh, your muscles will get flabby, right? And you and but how much did the global market dictate your 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 voice at that time? Um, <clears throat> a lot, because you know,
2: as a comedian, you've got your experiences to draw from. You know, like when I started out when I was 17, I only had the thoughts of a 17 year old. You know, all my jokes were about trying to get laid on dates yeah. and taking my dad's. Chrysler LeBaron out and yeah. things like that you know um, so you know I had I had you know I was like the, the face of Comedy Central for a few years in the beginning of the network's history and then that led to me getting my own sitcom on NBC so I had kind of played all over the states and then when I when I started I looked at my sitcom money as my NBC artist grant yeah. and so I, st- I started making these trips over to London. Uh, I took about two or three trips over to get my sea legs doing sets at the peripheral clubs before I went to the best clubs like the comedy store. Yeah. And, um, and then when I started playing around the world, my stories and jokes became about uh, my travel experiences. You know, Um, I, uh, I, I almost drowned in Thailand. I was maced in Paris the first time I went there, some guys tried to rob me, um, and you know, even now, my my favorite part of when I am performing, I always ask, "Is there anyone from a different country in the audience?" Because I've got a story or a joke about just about anywhere. Yeah, I mean, I'll get stumped every once in a while with a Lithuania or a Kazakhstan, but uh, for the most part. I've got like a story or, or joke about everywhere. What was it that made you want to travel? Do you, I mean, do you this is going to sound silly? Do you like flying? I love it. Yeah, and especially now. And I got to talk to you, man, because I know you're an American guy. Yeah. And I used to be an American guy. That was my airline. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm hard for. Before hardcore. they merged with U.S. Air, and now I think they're they're
1: garbage. They no, Treat no, no, you like no. an animal. Like, no, like I, United. I can still tell. I can still tell. When a crew is U.S. Air and a, when a crew is American, I can immediately tell. There's a big difference. Yeah. And uh, I, I think the, the, the quality
2: plummeted. And so about three or four years ago, I made the decision to stick with Delta only, and I just hit Diamond. Really? I've never been that high before. Really? And Diamond is as high as you can go. I mean, and uh, I, I thought uh, Gold and Platinum level was amazing. Uh, Because last year at Platinum, I got bumped up about 40% of the time to first class. Yeah. So just a month ago, my uh, diamond status kicked in, and uh, I'm anticipating a very great year. Oh, I... So I can use the first class lounge every time I fly. Yeah. Uh, I get two um, domestic spouse tickets where my wife can fly with me twice. I, I... Uh, I I am so
1: pro-Delta Airlines. Oh, see, I am not Delta. I am hardcore American. But my status on American is invitation only. So I don't have just – my status is next level. Like I enter through a separate entrance in the airport. I get taken to the front of the security line. So you're like as as high as you can go on American. You can't go any higher than where I'm at. Like, the other day, yesterday, I went to go board, and I saw the door was open, and so I saw someone was boarding. And I know for a fact there's always a representative waiting for me at the gate to walk, get me on the plane. Well, that's kind of a celebrity thing. No. Because I remember when
2: I – when I because American was my airline forever. And when I had my sitcom on NBC, I had that with American, where no, someone my, would, would meet me
1: and, and walk me to It the has gate. nothing to do with celebrity. It has to do with how much money you spend on the airline. So, candidly – and I don't know how long this is going to last. Now that I'm, I'm not having Travel Channel fo- fo- foot all my bills, but I was generating so much income for the for the for the airline because I was also having my crew fly American. Wow! And so then American was like, "Well, if you're the reason, then we'll give you the special service called Concierge Key." But now I have to fly like a, a X amount of dollars in a quarter to keep the status. So it's like uh, so. I don't know. I mean, in- well, I was pretty obsessed with my miles last year. Oh, hardcore! Wait, you, wait, you, I love it. It's, do, do, you kind of sit, fun. do you sit in a calendar right before the years up? And you're like, hold on, let's look at what we got yeah. planned. And yeah, so
2: <laughs> I took this gig in Shanghai in November. Yeah, only <laughs> because I knew it would it would give me the miles to hit to hit diamond.
1: Oh, that's do you know? Yeah.
2: Stanhope does that too. Yeah, I know. He flew to and he did it on on Delta. He flew to like uh,
1: Cape Town. And then flew right back. Yeah, flew, flew to Cape Town and flew right back. He was like, eh, "I need the miles." <laughs> Bobby Kelly does that too. That a lot of the New York comics will because you get a, a thousand miles for uh, for a one leg. They won't just, I think they round it up, you know. So they'll fly like New York to Boston, just back and forth all day, and get and get like twelve thousand miles, ten thousand miles. Wow, I think so. I, I remember Bobby Kelly was doing it. Um my thing right now is I have to fly X amount of dollars in the first quarter to keep my concierge ca- status. Hmm. So I'm going to London on Sunday. Nice. Yeah. Are you going to do a gig? Uh, I'm doing a gig, but it's, it, you know, I'm very conservative. I was like, I was like, I can't imagine I'm going to move more than like a hundred tickets in London. Like I really, that's what you I
2: should thought. try and do the Soho theater. Um. I've been, I've been doing it? the last few times I've gone to London. I've done the Soho theater and. It's phenomenal. I think it seats
1: 125. Okay. 150. I shoulda done that. I'm doing a, th- a thing called Angel Comedy at the Bill Murray. Don't know it. 90 seats and uh no, That's good. Yeah, it's good. And so but yeah, I'm I'm excited. I love London. London. I love London. Like what's your favorite pl- what's your favorite place that you've been? Oh my God! What to visit or like? Perform? I don't I don't just uh, just all of it because like I always tell people in the audience, if you got a group of thirteen and you're young and you guys got a little money, go to Vietnam. I go. I love Vietnam, and Fuck you know, there's
2: yeah. a there's a cool gig in Hanoi. I did a couple years ago. Are you serious? Yeah, man, it's really cool. Um, uh, I, I you know I. 20 years ago, no, it was 22 years ago, I did a special for Comedy Central called Viva Vietnam. So, the, Okay, so, yeah, but Vietnam. this needs to
1: be explained to listeners. This was, you. when you say you were the face of Comedy Central, that is an understatement. That is, you, I remember this period, and your dad had been in the Vietnam War, correct? My dad flew helicopters
2: in Vietnam. Uh, he was shot down, and everyone in the helicopter died except for him and his co-pilot, yeah. who was knocked unconscious. He unhooked his – took off his seatbelt, dragged his co-pilot across a field under heavy fire, and uh, he survived. So did his co-pilot. And my dad got like five medals for it. Wow. My uh, my dad lived – my dad was killed by a drunk driver in 2009, but he's buried in Arlington National Cemetery, which they only put
1: badasses there. He was killed by a drunk driver, uh, hit him in a car? Yeah, in Anaheim. Oh, my God. I'm sorry
2: yeah it 's a uh, brutal
1: story. is your mom still alive?
2: yeah, they were divorced yeah. for many years but um, uh, so Vietnam was a big topic in my house growing up, and my dad, his helicopter buddies were you know like his brothers. He went to a reunion every year um, so it, when Bill Clinton lifted the travel ban on Vietnam yeah. like, the way Obama did on Cuba last year. I was the I pitched this idea to Comedy Central, and so I made this hour travel, documentary type uh, comedy. Your hair was long. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I want to say I got the DVD. Awesome. I bought the DVD when I was living in New York. That kind of put me on the map for American television. I think that is what led to the sitcom, uh, the the notoriety I got from that. So, uh, so I went, and so I, that was Vietnam had just opened up for. American travelers. For
1: everyone who's like thir- like thirty years old and doesn't understand, that was like that. No one was traveling to Vietnam. Like th- that was then. No, it was only like veterans who needed
2: to get in touch with you know yeah uh, to clean up their soul from their past
1: or something. And I think I have a real true insight. Like Travel Channel's first thing they said to us: "There's difference between a, um, a tourist and a traveler." That was the first thing they told me, and I was like, "And by the way, I am a." At the time they hired me hardcore tourist I was a tourist like didn't leave didn't leave the resort huh. wanted a pool bar like I was <laughs> fucking a hardcore tourist and now I think I'm most definitely without a doubt a traveler but that's just from traveling for seven years but so you when you did that special did you what was, I mean like all, all I can think is like what did they shoot it on did they send man I felt bad the cameraman had a massive
2: camera Because that's back that's 1997 well, we no, we filmed it in September '94, and it came on April '95 for the twentieth anniversary of the end of the Vietnam War. Yeah, and we did this thing in Hanoi, where we remember back then in the '90s, the Jane Fonda workout tape was 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 big. So Hanoi Jane, yeah. So veterans hated uh, Jane Fonda because she went to Hanoi at the height of the war to protest it and, and sat they, on a they tank. They call her Hanoi Jane. Yeah. yeah. So we found these women doing Tai Chi in the park in Hanoi, and we set up uh, a TV with the Jane Fonda workout tape. And we, and we had a VCR to play this tape. And in 1994 technology, we had to run an extension cord like five blocks oh, shut to up. pull off this joke. Yeah. And it was one of the highlights of the thing. And these old women... They didn't know who Jane Fonda was. They, yeah. they just saw a woman exercising. So they all started doing it, and they loved it. Really? And it was great. And she goes, now turn to the left. And I said, I'll say she turned to the left. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so there were some really great moments in, in that special. So I went back uh, in 2015. 20 years later, it was my first time back in Vietnam. And I did this really cool gig. In Hanoi, I what's it, uh, I forget the name, they got a... Charlie Goodnight's, get it? <laughs> the Napalm Comedy Club. Um, and this 19-year-old Vietnamese kid from Hanoi opened up for me. Really? And he's only been doing comedy like six months, and his all-time comedy hero is Eddie Murphy, specifically, Delirious. So he delivered, so like I said... About when I started, when I was seventeen. Yeah. So this kid's only got the experiences of a nineteen-year-old kid in living in Hanoi, but he delivered everything like Eddie Murphy and Delirious, very Brilliant. confident with with a lot of bravado. No, which one's Delirious? You red know, red what, outfit or got purple? The red outfit.
1: Yeah. Oh, dude, I just watched that the he, other day. So he's like, so this
2: nineteen-year-old nineteen-year-old kid from Hanoi is like, you know, when you're on your scooter and your girl is on the back. And somebody pulls up next to you with the red light, and they're looking at your girl. It was like it was, it was hilarious. Yeah, he's oh, like acting great. it out really confidently. It was great. That's so fantastic. But Hanoi is an amazing. Uh, Vietnam is an amazing trip. Oh, it really? Um, is. I, I like. I, I love Thailand. I, w- I just went back there. I've never been to Thailand. I really like. To never go to been to
1: Thailand. Never been to Thailand. I want to go and, really bad. And uh, uh,
2: the temples of Angkor in Cambodia that's uh the, the that's an amazing trip I really love um uh ancient ruins oh, like really? i've I've been to um machu Picchu in peru i want to do that's machu one Picchu. of my favorite trips of all time is peru um i've been to Chitsunitsa, the mayan ruins in in uh, Cancun mexico, and then the temples of Angkor i think mean, those i've been to the great wall of china twice
1: really. You ever been there? Nope. Never been to China. You're kidding me. No, there's a lot of places I there's haven't been. There,
2: there, there's three places at the Great Wall of China where you can go as a visitor. Yeah. Uh, but there's only one that has this plastic toboggan slide going down. And it's so much fun. I filmed it and put it on YouTube. That's you, what I, I've seen you if do. You the, put, if you type in Tom Rhodes' magnificent slide at the Great Wall, it'll pop up. And that's the, the length of it. It's amazing.
1: That's fantastic. Now, you're... Uh, so so, did you? Was that trip to Vietnam? Was that one of your first abroad, uh, like international trips? Uh,
2: back then, yeah, yeah. I had gone to Korea once before, and then I I went to London and Ireland before yeah. that. So yeah, that was my fourth
1: trip out of the country. So then, okay, so not to because I know a lot of the, I know I know probably all of this, but just to backtrack for the listener. So then you, you do that trip, you come back, you get uh, Mr. Rhodes. Is it Mr. – what was it? Mr. It, Rhodes. Mr. Rhodes. Yeah. And then that goes for a, two seasons? One season. One season. I want to say, who were you shooting with next door? It was wh- What was the sitcom they were doing next door? I, I remember you telling me a story about this. Uh, Coach was next door, and so was Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Yeah. And, yeah. So, then, and so then you do a season, and then did you just go – Literally right next door was Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Did Coach just, was kind of – two over did you just go when you get done with it you're like i'm out i'm going to amsterdam
2: no i actually i had lived in new york city when i was 20 like a dog yeah i moved there from florida and i was broke one of the worst years of my life and i always swore if i ever had any money i would live in new york city with style yeah so uh when the sitcom finished i moved to new york city 98 99 that's when i that's when i first met you and it, it was in, and in, in, in that is when, I mean, I was swimming in cash. Yeah. So that's when, in that period was when I started taking these trips over to London. Really? And I got in with the comedy store uh, on like my third trip over. And then I started booking work. And then I also um, got gigs around uh, Europe, I, which I played in Amsterdam and fell in love with a Dutch girl, not the one I married. And then I
1: moved to Amsterdam in 2000. I love Amsterdam. Yeah, me too. I was just saying to someone, oh, I was, I was saying we're going to London, and I said, what we should do is hop over to Amsterdam for a day. And my wife's like, no, because we're bringing the girls. You need more than a day. I know, but I, I just wanted to go over there. I, I just think it's so special in the winter. Those nights, they're so beautiful. One of my favorite things in Amsterdam is
2: the Children's Museum. Yeah. It's called the Tropen Museum. It's a little further. If you take the Nine Tram from Rembrandt Plain, uh, it's like two stops past the zoo. Really, and they're very honest. It's 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 all about the world. Yeah, and it's it's a kids' museum. I got a good. It's, it's
1: phenomenal. I uh, most tourists don't go there. I feel, I feel like I feel like tourists are in Amsterdam. You go to like a live sex show, get some weed.
2: I, I hate that. Like people, I've, I've talked to people and they they go, uh, "Oh, I hated Amsterdam." I go, "Where did you stay?" And we stayed in the red light district. <laughs> Why would you get a hotel in the red light district? Yeah, you know. Uh, I did a, I did a, I was in, uh, you You were just in Lexington, Kentucky. Yeah, you were just there. I was there the weekend before. Yeah. And so I did the rock and roll radio interview on the Friday and I, the, I told the guy I was just in Thailand. So all he wanted to talk about was the lady boys. Yeah. And I was telling him, Thailand is like the internet. It's whatever you want it to be. Yeah. And that's what Amsterdam is like. If you're into, like, prostitutes and, and drugs and weird shit, that's what your Amsterdam experience would be. Yeah. But it's also world-renowned for its art. The city itself is a work of art. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 the actual Dutch women are far greater then the, the prostitutes they are I mean the go most... there and have a real experience with a real woman Yeah. try and be a human being and connect go, and go ride on a bikes. bike ride yeah that's the when, when the tulips are in bloom in april that's the greatest time to be in holland there's a place called Kokonoff, where they there's a it's a big place where they, all the flowers are displayed and you walk through this uh, wooded area uh, i flew my mom over for it when i lived there once But so you take the train to Leiden to get to Kokonoff, and Leiden is where Rembrandt was from. It's also where the Harvard of the Netherlands is located. But you're taking the train there, and you're passing these fields of tulips in bloom, and like yellow field, red field, blue field. It's just like, it's so breathtaking. Yeah. So I mean, there's a lot, you know, the drugs and the prostitution get all of the publicity, but... Uh you know, and the Dutch are very progressive people. They're, they they've progressive laws. Um they're in danger of
1: electing a right wing moron. That's gonna in happen. March. I I hear that's happening all over Europe right now. Yeah. It's crazy that Germany's is Germany
2: doing it as well? Yeah, March uh March is the Dutch election and Kurt Wilders is the is the uh right wing guy. And April is France and Marine Le Pen. She's the right wing woman, and
1: then I think Germany is June. So, so does it kind of? I mean, you're. I'd say out of all the comics I know, all my friends, you're probably the most globally thinking. Like you don't look at things like I like. I think I have a very small outlook on life. Like like when we when we were talking when Bush got elected, I was like, wow, there's there's like there's comics that really have all they know is Silver Lake. And that's all, and they're blown away that anyone vote for Bush. I go, well, no, if you travel in the country, like in Lexington, yeah, I had made a joke about him, and I, it got booed, and
2: I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did, I, I, I did some stuff on, on Trump in Lexington that uh, went down like a, a yeah. Led Zeppelin. But they're not bad people, not they're at not, all. They're not no, white no, supremacists no, no, no. and they're not racist. You know, and you're from Florida as well. Yeah, I started out on the southern circuits, so like Atlanta, the punchline. Um the uh, the Lexington, uh Comedy Off Broadway. I mean these clubs that I, I, I grew up in. Yeah. And they're wonderful people in these play. I love the South. I took a picture of the not everyone no in same. the South is a is a moron. No. There's there's very open minded, um, very politically aware people there. Yeah, but you, I, I, I adore the Southern United United States, and that's why I still go back there and do
1: gigs, you know. But your perspective is so. I, every time I talk to you, I forget just how broad your perspective is. I wouldn't, I couldn't tell you when the German uh, election is. I was like, do they do it every year? Does it happen every four years? Is <laughs> it happen every nine? <laughs> Get it? Nine. nine? <laughs> <laughs> um, but did you come about that because of your stay in Amsterdam?
2: Um, well, I mean, my mother's from Buenos Aires, Argentina. Are you serious? Yeah. And she emigrated to the United States. She was 14 to my family's originally from Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. So she moved to D.C. when she was 14. Um, so I think having a, 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 a an immigrant mother uh, and I always thought there was something really sexy about Argentina and there is Buenos yeah. Aires. Uh, is is I've one never, of my I've favorite It's very much like it's like Paris in Spanish, and uh, and then most of the people are of Italian ethnicity. So there's something really sexy about it. And then and then Patagonia, oh. uh, it looks like Northern California had it never been developed. It's just mountains and freshwater lakes, and it's really it's really beautiful. Um, so I, I I think having uh, an Argentinian mother helped but also my last name is Rhodes. Yeah. So I mean I've, I've I've always I've always wanted to travel. I mean I remember I read On the Road by Jack Kerouac when I was in high school and that is what made me move to San Francisco when I was 22. Uh, so I've, I've I've always I've always wanted to see the world and I've always wanted to travel and I've always wanted to be a a citizen of the world. Yeah. And um and and I I, I am. I, I've I've played on every continent but Africa and Antarctica. You haven't played in Africa yet? I did a gig in the Seychelles. Yeah. Seychelles Islands last year, which is technically part of Africa, but it's
1: it's islands, so it wasn't on the continent itself. That's, Africa is one of the few places in the global market that I've performed. Because I did that South. They used to have a South Africa comedy festival. Yeah, did you do? it? Yeah, I did it with uh, Steve Hughes. You know Steve Hughes. Oh my God, Steve Hughes is one of my favorite. He's comedians the best. I'm trying to do a podcast. I'm trying to do podcasts in, when I'm in London, and uh, and but I don't. You know, my I've found what works for my podcast is when I'm really genuinely interested in the person. Then it's a good podcast. Have you had people where your your, your attention strays? Yeah. They're telling a story. <laughs> well, it's just not like it's just not this natural conversation that we're having. Yeah. It's it's me being like it's just I just it's they're really tough and you can tell and I, you can totally hear it and they get very low downloads. <laughs> My, and, and like but and but so, and Steve is someone I'm fascinated by so I and I we lived right next door to each other so we hung out every single night and he likes to party. Yeah, so uh, one of my favorite human beings
2: on the planet, and he's he's a genius. He he was living in England for many years. Now he's he's living back in in Australia.
1: Yeah, he's that's what uh, I talked to Brett Vincent. Yeah, and uh, Brett Vincent said he's in Australia. I like Andre Vincent. I want to do a podcast with Andre Vincent because I drove Andre. Love Vincent. both of those guys. Andre, I drove Andre Vincent crazy.
2: I would make Andre him mad. And, and Brett. Uh, they're brothers. Andre's yeah. a comedian. Brett is a uh, Brett manages me for for England. Oh, does he really? Uh, yeah, and uh, they put on a comedy festival in Austria every year in March. So all these guys who like to go snowboarding, they used to do it in Maribel, France, Holy which is in shit. The, which is in the Alps in France. But I, I they did it for like five or six years. I did it once in Maribel, and then. I think they had some problem with the the French people so
1: now it's in Austria somewhere. God, I'd love to do they that. Do it every every march. Ari Ari Shafir is a genuine traveler. Like he's got a genuine curiosity about the world, which is odd considering he grew up in one of the most restrictive communities. You know, he grew up a Hasidic Jew. And so the, I don't I, you know, it's one of those things where it's almost like Mormons like they they stick to themselves. And now he's he he just bolted to the Micronesia He's there right now. Where is he? Uh, I don't know. He disappeared because he didn't want to be off the grid. Nice. So he left his cell phone, no computer, no nothing. He didn't want to talk to anybody. Didn't want to, anyone to know where he was. Nice. He's going to spend, I think, four months just floating around. Four months? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. All I can all I can think about is all the money he's leaving on the road. That's I'm so obsessed well, right but, now. I mean, it's, it's great to do that. Like, um,
2: I just went to Thailand for my birthday and... Thailand, uh, you know, Thai food is my favorite. Uh, There's a a great hotel I stayed at uh, on my honeymoon five years ago. I did this honeymoon tour. I did Ireland and then I went to Asia on my honeymoon. And it's in Chinatown in Bangkok, which is somewhere in Bangkok where most people wouldn't stay because it's Chinatown. Yeah. But it's a place called uh, the um, Shanghai Mansion. And it's this boutique hotel. <clears throat> Shanghai is one of my favorite cities in the world, in really? China. But uh, there's this 1930s style of Shanghai that you can't really find in Shanghai. But that's what this hotel in Bangkok uh, is 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 styled on. Why can't you find it in Shanghai? Well, a lot of it's been destroyed. I mean, uh, the, the I buildings there's the buildings and things like Didn't that. Didn't they have but, a cultural revolution or something? Yeah, but China is very progressive. China's and and Shanghai is is a really exciting city. There's people from all over the world there doing animation, journalism. Whenever I'm there, it's like I, I'm you, you meet Italian, Swiss, French, American, really? Irish. Um, there's like in Beijing. You meet people who are kind of connected to government things like embassies and, and things like that. Hong Kong is – you meet people in the banking industry. But Shanghai is is very artistic, future-minded uh, people. Wow. Yeah. Shanghai is a really exciting place. But this certain 1930s style of Shanghai, which is a, a very sexy period in, in the world, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, it can be found in Bangkok at this hotel, Shanghai Mansion. And then it's a, a short five-block walk. Oh, and there's great street food. I mean, all, oh. over, all over Bangkok is great street food, but in Chinatown, there's really incredible street food. And then about a five-block walk from the Shanghai Mansion is the river in Bangkok. And so you can take these water taxis up and down the, 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 the best temples. Well, there's the flower market, which is twenty four hours a day, which isn't just flowers, um, but I think those are some of the best photos you can take in Bangkok.
1: Travel Channel really fucked up not hiring you.
2: They really did. They really. And I've had I've had I've had two opportunities where I where I met with the Travel Channel, showed them things I did, and they've passed on me twice. So uh, and then past the flower market is um, uh, uh, shit Wat Arun which is the temple of the reclining buddha yeah which is this massive reclining buddha but in that temple they have a massage school where they do the the ancient thai massage for yeah. an hour and that is like and you know it's like 8 bucks for an hour mm. so i would take the my the, the river boat up to the wat arun i did it twice and, and and went and had a um a, a massage in the temple
1: holy shit what was it why well, I, I i didn't i introduce you? i showed someone i made a thing on uh
2: buenos aires yeah. a dvd a little a little uh, video clip and i gave it to you and asked you yeah. to, to give it to I someone i gave it to them did they ever set the meeting up no 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 it was it was um several years after like yeah, I never. I reached out to them from that, and I thank you for for doing that. But no, they n- I never could get a hold of anybody
1: off of that. And then about you're exactly what they what they want, and they don't. They just don't well, why, know it.
2: Why, uh, 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 guys, I loved your show because you were doing adventure stuff and exciting stuff. Yeah, but all these other shows where guys are eating weird food yeah. and, and like and all these food programs, like the like the guy you can't love everywhere you go. Yeah. Oh, this is the most amazing Philly cheesesteak. Yeah. Those shows bore the shit out of me. You doing big adventures?
1: I could watch that all day. That's the that I I'm as much as it kind of fucked me up, I really genuinely miss I I miss the opportunity to travel cuz we were I was basically traveling with a crew with my all my friends. So it was really fun and I miss that wholeheartedly, but I do feel like I was leveraging what possible success I could have in this industry for just a really good time. Like it was like it was like it was fun, but the money but traveling wasn't should be a good the time. money wasn't a blast, or the money wasn't like astronomical, it was good. Um and it was more than I was making on the road at the time. But then part of me was like was like, I don't know, I feel like I should be really Doing an hour and, and, and hanging out at the store and doing my podcast and, yeah. and re- doing scripted and trying to sell a feature. And like I feel like I go – I didn't just come at this. Like so many people come at uh, Travel Channel and, and DIY and HGTV and Food and Cooking going, this is my opportunity to get on television. That was an opportunity for me to get on television but not my opportunity. I'd, I've had – I've had a lot more opportunities elsewhere. I could get on television nineteen different ways. So I was like, "But the travel was fun." And I'm telling you when I say this, and I don't know that I don't know what, I don't know, I don't know what's going on with them right at this moment
2: and who they've. Well, but, I I got I got to pitch something to them about three years ago or two years it's ago. All new people right now. And last year, and
1: and and they they passed twice. There, it's all brand new people. Like, there's not. There is only one person who, that network. Who owns them? Scripps. Scripps is you're perfect for this fucking network. You really are. What's What's frustrating is, and I have a beautiful Indian wife from Holland who's a photographer. You're per- um, because, because what they always wanted out of me. And that I would never be able to deliver is just this conversation we're having right now. The fact that you know about Shanghai architecture and that, or the toboggan slide at the Great Wall of China. Yeah, and and I mean that that is the one thing. And you know, I always looked at Travel Channel as, as through the eyes of like, like I, I was all I was brand new to everything, so I didn't. I never came at it as a like. Like Andrew Zimmern is a very uh, knowledgeable traveler, so when he travels. He will be espousing a bunch of knowledge to you from what his insights are. I was never that guy. I was always like fish out of water. Always my first experience. I drinking every the kid in the candy shop, and you know the different heads of, that changed at different times wanted different things from me, and uh, and I don't, you know, and then I was always changing. Like I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. But you're, if anyone, I know Dan Adler's listening to this right now. I know Dan Adler's listening to this. Hi, Dan. Dan, can My you fucking take a meeting is with Tom? Than your head. When you, <laughs> I'm gonna send an email to you and Dan and see if you guys, just a, a group email to the two of you, and see if you guys can talk about a show that you guys could do, because he's in there, meaning like he produces for them, they love what he makes, and he knows full well that right I, halfway through this interview, I'm sure he's like, oh, I got a fucking. Research is Tom Rhodes guy because you are what they want, but they just don't know it. They, they you know, they're. Well, I mean, you know, you know why uh, shouldn't the Travel
2: Channel be about travel? I mean, uh, there, there seems to be a lot of food on there, but you know, I've been making these travel videos that I have on YouTube forever, and I stopped drinking three years ago, so yeah. I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm slimmer than I used to be. You're in great stopped shape. smoking cigarettes two years ago. And uh, I stopped smoking weed a year ago, so I'm completely sober now. How's that? How's that transition been? What great. Is the, what oh is my part- God. I wish I'd have done it years ago. For real? Yeah. So is that? Oh my god. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I I've, I've lost about 20 pounds just from not imbibing thousands of calories every night. Yeah. And then I I don't feel like shit half the day because I'm hungover. And so what's really great is comedy is the drug again. Like yeah. when I started when I was 17, I was really, I mean, I was excited all the time. Like just writing jokes, taking it on stage, the excitement of, is it going to work? Am I going to stumble? Because I don't have it totally polished in my head yet. Uh, it's really exciting and it's really fun. And uh, there's a lot of great things I've been able to do. Like, uh, because I have so much time yeah. on my hands to dedicate to, uh, my my um, my passions. Uh, I started working on a book five years ago about my life traveling the world as a comedian, and I finished the first draft last year. And uh, I'm I'm trying to get that presentable to publish this year. That's that's what I th- I would love. And then also, to- I wrote my new hour because I want to film my next hour special uh, this year. Yeah, and uh, where would you film it? I, I'm 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 trying to figure that out now. Yeah, Austin's a good place. In that that uh, I'd love Austin. That'd be great. That, yeah, you'd be great in Austin. But but I ha- I have someone interested in in my travel show idea, and we're going to start to pitch it uh, to networks in a few weeks.
1: See, the thing is, I feel th- I feel like media is changing so much that part of me feels like you could probably get it online in one of these, you know, Cisos or 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 Amazon or netflix netflix is great yeah and and they would pick it up i i don't you know candidly and i i'm sure everyone knows this but i feel like i don't know what eyes i don't know that the eyes you'd want to for you will be at travel channel like i think those are a different like you're i i see a younger viewer watching you i see guys that listen to podcasts being interested in you you know like this 18 to 34 demographic that's mostly male, looking at you going, fuck, man, I want to step, I want to, I want to, I want my life to be rich, I want to have cool experiences, I want to go to Bangkok, you know what I mean? I think, I feel like that your dialogue you have with the fan is the same dialogue that is ingested by Rogan fans, you know, by the, like, the death squad community. Does that make sense? Yeah. What would you? Uh... But
2: I mean, you know, why think in terms of, of of demographics? I mean, I know the networks do, and I think that handcuffs them because, you know, you, w- where are you going to find a young, pretty guy who has all this worldly
1: experience? You can't oh, have it doesn't, both. It doesn't exist. But yeah. you're not. You don't look old. I would. I would never think you were fifty. When you said you were fifty, I went. Oh, I was like, oh, yeah, he is older than me, I but earned I earned it, baby. God. Now I was. Uh, Jordan and I were sitting in uh Michael pre- no, yeah, yeah, Michael. We're sitting in press in Lexington and he's oh, like yeah. yeah, and he goes, uh, So how long are you gonna do this for? Like just candidly. Comedy. Yeah, and I it put me into a fucking spiral wow. and I started going like, What do you mean like Am I aging myself out? And then I was like, wait, hold the fuck. I'm still young. And then I'm like, Rogan's 48, Burr's 49, Marin's 52, Tom's 50. Like, wh- these are all guys that are working still. What the fuck? And like, I started spinning out. And then and then I think his question was not even about that. It was about something totally How long, how long are you going to be we doing? Get this? better. I mean, look, Louis C.K.
2: didn't hit until he was in his late 40s. Yeah. I think George Carlin did the best work at the end of his life. I don't think I had Maren anything didn't to say hit until he was in his 50s. Yeah. And uh, you, I, like I said about it, it's all about your experiences. So uh, I I think as you get older you you're you're going to be a better comedian, and especially because you you've got the seasoning of you know you're not nervous on stage. Yeah. you know how to present yourself and and your your jokes and stories. Well, I feel like I feel like I notice I never use the word
1: craft. Nice, nice. <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like I am. I have grown into a storyteller much more. I found my voice a lot, a lot more distinctly through podcasting in these last four years. I've found my voice. And, uh, and I, and I feel like now my point is I need to write about these stories that I have lived. I need to write them. I need to get out of going. It's a really great hand job joke, but what's that going to get me at the end of the day? Other than a big gut laugh. I was like, I should really be focusing on these experiences I've had for the last seven years. How do you go about writing about your travels? You know, my, I'm glad you bring that up. My wife is the greatest comedy
2: coach because she's been around it for so long. We've been together for like nine years. So she has a really great comedy brain. And I'm trying to get rid of, uh, or, 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 or I, I move, I've moved past. The Dick jokes and the sex jokes, because I have so much more to offer, yeah. uh, with my intelligence and, and experiences. Um, my wife has such a great comedy brain. she thinks the best jokes are mini essays that the, 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 this is just her observation. So she's always encouraging me to to write essays. So, you know, if, if, if I've got, if, if I've got some idle time at home, she'll be like, yeah, why don't you, why don't you write an essay? Cause you know, I'm constantly reading. I put out these weekly videos called knowledge nuggets I've seen them. And I love them. I'm sitting in front of my book collection. And that's what I... I had everything in storage for 10 years while I traveled the world. Yeah. And that's basically what I had in storage was this massive book collection. And what you can't see on the other side of the room is my massive vinyl record collection. Oh, really? And then in the other room is my massive CD collection. So I'm sitting in front of my wall of books. And she's always like, don't read any more books. Because I'm constantly reading. And I'm, re- I'm reading... Uh, you know, the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, the really? Washington Post. I'm, I'm just taking in so much information. And, and I love books. I'm always reading. So she's always like, you've read enough. You've got to spit out the everlasting gobstopper now. So, mm-hmm. so you know, write essays. L- you know, don't take in any more information. But, I mean, I can't stop reading because um, I'm addicted to what it. What do you like reading? Uh, nonfiction mostly. Um mm-hmm. I like historical things. Um I love biographies. Um y- 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 you know any any anything that's like factual information. But also um uh, I I like being th- that's why I know about all the European elections oh, because really? I I'm I'm reading all the time. I like knowing what's happening in the world. And also <clears throat> um I love like Travel books and travel ma- uh, magazines and things like that. And, really, uh, I devour the travel sections of the New York Times and the uh, uh, the, 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 the the Wall Street Journal is uh, is is one of the most excellently written uh, papers. Even though it's a little, it's it's got a conservative slant. Yeah, uh, their travel things. They they always write about art. Uh, art happenings around the world. I have read. That's another uh, obsession of mine. Also, is art, uh, art, and art history. Really? Yeah. Were you always like this? Uh, yeah. Like, when did you? Like, I mean, I guess in my you know uh, early
1: twenties, maybe San Francisco had something to do with it. Really? I guess I read the Wall Street Journal this <laughs> weekend because I was like, I was like, you know, I was like, I, I'm, I, I get it, it. I get depressed being in my phone. Like, it just kind of it. I call it, my therapist and I call it uh, scrolling. I can't stop scrolling. And I just keep reading and reading and, like, going, like, flipping through it. And t- this weekend I was like, I'm going to go get a cup of coffee with the Wall Street Journal on Saturday. It was, and and I, they had a great article on pho. And uh, and I ended up reading the whole thing about pho and how diverse pho is and how to make a great pho. And I was like, oh, that's one of the coolest things for me is I, I do love uh, I do love cooking so i love cooking and and making things we found abroad or or oh i do too my my wife and i like that we she's
2: always you know my wife's indian so she makes indian food but thai food is our favorite she's always, you know it's what i always say is um you ever because we live in an apartment building and you ever walk past an apartment? You ever live in an apartment building? Oh yeah. You walk past some place where you know ethnic people live. Yeah. And you can smell like some amazing food. Being my cousin's place in Philly. That's my apartment. Really? Yeah. That's where I live now. Oh, shut up! But 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 we love food. Uh, I'm just tired of seeing it on television.
1: Yeah, you know? I, that was always my my curious. The thing I I'm not I mean I always say this Travel Channel, but food rates so well that they would have it. But I was like, you guys got Food Network and the Cooking Channel. We should travel should just be about travel. Um and I think I, I wanna say that in all honesty, I had one of the few shows that was just specifically about travel, about going to do something and doing something and not eating. But I loved eating segments. I loved it. We went to Hawaii and ate with this chef that had cooked for the Obamas and he made this pork belly Oh wow that was that I'm t i am i and I was never a good travel host in the sense that what I, what I thought was funny was never brand friendly. But I remember telling him, I was like, if Dick tasted like this, I'd have bruised knees. <laughs> Fucking love that pork belly. You know, it's funny. Um, the, the islands
2: that do like this slow roasted pork that takes days. Hawaii is one of them. Another one is Bali. Really? Bali has got this incredible slow roast pork. It takes days. Bali is a Muslim country, right? Well, Bali is in Indonesia. Indonesia is a Muslim country. It's the highest Muslim populated country in the world. But the island of Bali itself
1: is Hindu. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is your wife Is your wife Hindu?
2: Uh, no, she is uh, an educated European woman who believes in science and reason. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I guess that would make sense. Um, but her family is is Hindu. Where's her family, Amsterdam? In Holland, yeah. She, my wife is, it couldn't be more exotic because she's Indian, but she she was born in Suriname. Her family's from Suriname, which is one of the small countries above Brazil. Really? Uh, you got Guyana, French Guyana, Suriname. Suriname was a Dutch colony, and the Dutch traded what is now Manhattan for Suriname. 300 years ago, seemed like a great trade. <laughs> But probably one of the worst trades of all time, so uh and loads of Indian people live in Suriname, but there's so many generations removed from India they have no idea where they're from in India, yeah. and they all speak Dutch because it was a Dutch colony, and her family uh emigrated to Holland when she was one years old okay. so um she and their their food is very. It, it's it's Indian food, but also uh, Caribbean food because of oh, so Suriname, geographical, spicy, spicy as shit. I fucking love And spice. they love
1: me because I'm the one white guy who loves spicy food. Oh, I love. Uh, that's the one thing. I The first time I ever had Indian food, I just... It was my, it was Leanne and I, our probably second date, I never had Indian food. And the like, guy was like, how hot do you want it? And I, I was like, I want to regret it. <laughs> and it, I... Was sweating through dinner, like it kicked in immediately. Oh god, I used to love that fucking place. Your scalp gets all sweaty, and then your hair is soaking wet. But where do you and your wife like sit and talk about travel or go about going? Hey, you know where we should go?
2: Yeah, all the time. Um, she's never been to Argentina, yeah. so um, and it's been five years since I've been. So what we're talking about doing now, uh, we're probably going to start later this month we found a place not far from where we live uh, we're going to start taking tango lessons seriously? yeah because when we go to Buenos Aires we, we're probably going to go at the end of the year Uh because their seasons are are opposite like they're in the middle of summer right now yeah Um so we don't want to we don't want to learn the tango when we get there. We want to be good at it. So you can go out and tango. We there so we can go to the the milongas. And a milonga is a, a club where you go and do the tango. Do you miss do you miss drinking at all? Not at all. No. Really? No, I I know a lot about wine. So like we you know we went to Rome a couple years ago. Uh when I'm in Rome or or France or, or somewhere you know I'll I'll like there's like I'd like to have a glass yeah
1: but yeah I I I don't miss it that was what got me starting drinking again I I'd quit drinking when I was twenty eight, twenty nine, 29 maybe no I was 30 when I was 30 I quit drinking like 29 to 30 and uh Leanne and I went to Italy went to Venice we go out to through St. Mark's Square and it starts snowing and it's late and we're going to get dinner and it's just, there's no, it's brand new snow. It's all over the place. And we go in and get dinner, and I go, uh, and I was like, God damn it, I want a glass of wine. And she, my, and Leanne is just one of those people that she's like, Listen, if I don't, have, if, if I see you have a problem, I'm going to stop you. But if I don't see you have a problem, I'm not going to stop you. And Leanne's like, Get a glass of wine. And I was, that was my first drink I had after I think like eight months. And I started, and I was like, Ugh. And we had the greatest night. We got lost and it was snowing and we stayed out until like one in the morning and no one was on the streets. Snowing in Venice? In Venice. Wow. That must've been sexy. And fucking one of the coolest nights of my life. I mean, probably the reason, one of the reasons I love her is that she's, she's a lot like you in that. I don't I don't know if that's a Southern trait, but it's, she was like, I'm fucking getting the fuck out of Georgia when she turned 22 or whatever. And she moved to New York. She's like, I want to see this world. I like people like that. She's. She's really excited about this London trip. Um, do you want to know how much I got tickets round trip for the girls for London? How much? Three hundred and fifty dollars each. Each. Wow. And they're sitting in a in a sofa on New Zealand Air. They got they, the chairs turned into a sofa, <clears throat> and so I was like, "Fuck, we're going." What should I do in London? Is there anything you'd recommend? The, the, you
2: know, the museums are free. Uh, the British Museum is one of the greatest museums in the world. And everything in there is stolen from other countries. Like the, they have the Elgin marbles there that were taken from the Greek Parthenon. Uh, really? You know, there's stuff from the Egyptian pyramids. The, the the British Museum is
1: everything that's not British. That's what Steve – when when you when I'd hang out with Steve Hughes, every conversation he'd ever have would revert back to imperialism. Yeah. He would always say, that's just like the British – imperialistic yeah not theirs grab it take it <laughs> now it's mine
2: <clears throat> yeah and he's really into conspiracy theories he's a really interesting guy to oh. talk to i have a um i don't know if you can you i don't know, You probably can't take your daughters there but when i was drinking there's a place in london called gordon's wine bar it's near one of the train stations i forget which um train station it's near one of the main train stations Um, gordon's wine bar and you go it's kind of downstairs in like these basement catacombs and the 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 ceiling is is arched yeah and when i was living over in when i was single living in europe uh it was a great place i would take girls on dates and it's a great place to get a bottle of wine and sit there and uh it's it's really magnificent
1: Gordon's Wine Bar Alright, I just sent it to myself I'm going to love it Yeah, I haven't had wine I, I... Last time I was there, I saw a game at Emirates
2: Stadium for Where Arsenal plays That, really? was, also, that was also really cool
1: So when you travel great, man. When you travel, do you wake up in the morning going What do I want to do, or do you research before you no, go? No, I
2: research, plan it out You know, like when I went to the temples of Angkor I had three days there That was a really cool thing I did Because I would read about those temples my whole life so I had a tuk-tuk driver for $16 a day. He charged me, but I gave him $20 a day. I had him all day uh, for three days. So the first two days I went to all the temples, and and then I kept the third day free to go back to the ones that I liked the best. Really? Yeah, and and it was really cool. So then I learned... There's the, the temple Ta Pram, which is the, it was in the, um, the, the Tomb Raider movie with uh, Angelina Jolie, the Laura Croft film. Yeah. That's the temple with the tree growing on top of it. So you go there, and I, it, it, it's such a great temple with this tree on top of it, but there's just hundreds of tourists everywhere, and you can't get a good shot of it. So on the second day we were there, Um, there's this one, you know, some of the guidebooks can be misleading. The, there's this one temple where it says it's the best place to be for sunset. And we went there and there's like thousands of people there. It's so crowded and it stinks because there's too many people. It's overcrowded. So I had my tuk-tuk driver take me straight back to top prom and there was nobody there. So I got great photos of it and it was with no one in the shot. Really? So go to top prom at the end of the day and skip the one that they say
1: to be at at um sunset. Really? Are you going to is your book going to have like almost like be part guidebook as well for uh, someone?
2: Um I no, nah, maybe a little but yeah.
1: No, I hadn't thought of that. So like what like <clears throat> I I I've been trying to explore talking about traveling on stage but every time I do I feel like they're – I feel like – I feel like I – like I, I, I don't know. I feel like I disconnect with them. Does that make sense? Uh, you know, well, that's funny. I had <clears> – <throat> um,
2: Yeah, um <laughs> Gallagher came up to me in Vegas about five years ago afterwards. I heard he does this. If he sees your show, he critiques it. And he said, uh, I don't think you should talk about traveling the world. I think you alienate your audience when you do that. And I was like, fuck you, Gallagher. That's <laughs> part of who I am. Yeah, I don't my, think you should My experience, <laughs> And I'm not going to cater my show for the dumbest people in the audience. Yeah. You know, I'm not up there, like, giving travel tips about – Things I'm talking about my actual experiences in these places, you know, like, uh, there's this, <clears throat> there's this, uh, I've been talking about, I stopped drinking and mm-hmm. I, uh, my, uh, I was thinking about times in my life I was, I was really fucked up. And so I tell this one story about, I was in Galway, Ireland. Galway, Ireland is one of my favorite places in the world. I love Ireland. Galway is the spot. Where's Galway? Galway is on the West Coast. It's about a two-and-a-half-hour journey on the train. It's a mini San Francisco seaport university city, and there's street musicians everywhere uh, on the main pedestrian shopping street. There's music everywhere. There's so many great... um, They do a comedy festival every
1: October. Is that the one Uh, Dom
2: books? No, that is um, Kilkenny. Okay. (laughs) But if you lived in Ireland and you were gay or a musician you would move to Galway. It's just the, 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 the artsy place. So uh, I was in Galway years ago, and uh, I was so drunk, I woke up in the middle of the night in my hotel room to go to the bathroom. And I went into the bathroom, and the door closed behind me. But what had actually happened was I was now in the hallway, and I was locked out of my room. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know if you've ever been naked and drunk and had to approach the front desk for another key. So it's a, it's a true story. Yeah. And it really happened to me. I won't give away the, the punchline. Yeah. And then another story, um, the biggest blunder that ever happened to me from drinking, uh, I was playing in Hong Kong years ago, and I stayed at the Shangri-La Hotel, and uh, the, the the nicest hotel I've ever stayed at in my life, beyond five-star, opulent luxury. Yeah. And... Uh, the first day I was there, I walked around and soaked the city in with my eyeballs. I had never been to Hong Kong before. I've, I've since been there many times. Uh, but they put a goldfish in my room with a little note next to it. And it said, traveling is sacred, but no one deserves to be alone. That's why we provided this friend, the goldfish, to keep you company during your stay here. Yeah. So uh, I tell the story and st- something happens in the story. I was so drunk. Um, but uh, they 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 took my goldfish away.
1: They took your goldfish yeah. away from you. <laughs> yeah. They're like you deserve yeah. to be alone. <clears throat> so you don't uh, deserve to have friends. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so like these, so the stories they're not like, you know, I'm not like giving restaurant tips in Dubai. You know, yeah. I'm I'm talking about real
1: life things that happened to me. And um, mine always turned perilous. What do you mean? all my travel stories that i find myself getting drawn to are are perilous like uh i talk about you know running out of oxygen at fiji at 90 feet i almost drowned in thailand diving really yeah what it was happened frightening. Um, Well, i don't want to cut off your fiji story no 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 my fiji story goes nowhere cuz the only thing that was in my fiji story that is cuz you know for us we had a dive planned i think at 60 feet but i dropped down to 90 and as soon as you do that, you fuck up your air. You fuck up the dive for everybody, but you fuck up your air. Yeah. And so I was fucking around at 90 feet, not even realizing that I'm way away from everybody. And then my guide came up and was like, you're out of air, takes a regulator, puts it in my mouth. And uh, she's my, also my dive instructor because this is my first, first. my I think, third technical open water dive. And uh, and the first thing you think you know in that moment you're like i'm gonna die my family my kids yeah. and all i thought was someone had curry for lunch and i was like i could feel her curry in my <laughs> lungs and i was like oh but uh but um but they, they always turn perilous you know like falling off the waterfall or or you know the one i'm, I'm telling now i had a really great experience and I, it's based on rogan i had a i was in vietnam uh, and I we ended up smoking a little hash or pot and then having a few beers, and we're at a farm stay. Uh, I, I don't know where... I, I, that's why I'm so bad at this. I don't even know where the fuck we were. Like Dong Hoi or something? Dong Hong? Anyway. Da Nang? No, not Da Nang. It was... Uh, I don't know. Anyway, I get a little buzzed. At the corner of my eye, I see they have a motorcycle, old Russian Ural. So I go to the guy. I say, hey, man, can I, you mind if I... I, I'd always heard 80% of fatalities happen when you're drinking and driving on a motorcycle. 80%. Um, they tell you that so that you don't drink and drive. But what I heard is it must be fucking magical if everyone's willing to risk their lives doing it. So I was like, do you mind if I take it for a spin? He's like, I noticed you've been smoking and drinking. I was like, I have. He goes, you'll fucking love it. He's like, get some good music. Go in between these rice patties and just open it up. So the bit right now, and, and, and so anyway, I do that. And in the middle, Rogan called me. He's like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm fucked up on motorcycles, riding them through rice paddies in Vietnam. And he's like, dude, if you don't talk about this on stage, you're wasting these experiences. He's like, this is what life's about. These very inspirational talk I have with them. And I'm like, fuck yeah. And then I keep driving and I'm like, fuck yeah. Now I'm racing my shadow because it's sun setting and I'm having this, You, I mean, really eye-opening. And then my wife calls. She's like, and I answer her and she's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, it works so well with Joe. I'm fucked up riding motorcycles through rice paddies. He's like, get the fuck off the bike. But so mine always... Steer that way. Um, I like that. Yeah, it's, it's a good story. And then the end. I get into bed that night, and the owner of the farm stay came in and gave me a puppy because he's just the great. Great thing about having experience
2: in comedy is to to own your silences and to be comfortable in telling a story that might not have a murderous ending. Yeah. But if you're passionate. About and I've seen every, you. You are impossible. You are incapable of telling a story without funny beats all throughout it. So yeah. I, I wouldn't be self conscious about. I need to. got to see the value in it that it was your experience and that you know it's
1: something that you want to share with the people. I need to. I need to use the store more to my benefit and not go there. I go there sometimes with uh, with I think ego at the forefront of my to kill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think everybody has that because it's you know right now it's just such a place, such a mecca of comedy that you go. I don't ever want to go up at the store and not deliver. But what I want to be is the like the guy who goes up at the store and goes no 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 this is for me this moment is for me to do better. And then when I go on the road, it'll be better. And that's where I take my once I figure it out, I take it on the road.
2: Well, but on the road, I'm doing an hour every night as you are. And uh, the, the, that's also a
1: great place to to try new material. I, r- I write a lot hour. on the road too, but the, but I find I need. To, you know what I, I want to do? I want to go to a place where, like, literally, you're compl- Like like the like the ha ha, and just fucking really own the silence. Like when you said that, own the silence. I was like, sometimes I don't own the silence. Uh, it is as good of a storyteller as I am, sometimes I get nervous in the middle of it and I start low-browing it for them. Like you know what I mean? Yeah, rushing it. Um, like when I was
2: younger, I would panic when there would be there would be silences, and so I'd try and rush it to get to the next point or yeah. or, or punchline. Um, but but you know you,
1: you gotta own the silences, baby. Yeah, I, I, that's a really prolific thing that I don't that I have not been doing because I do in the machine story. Like in the machine story, I own the silence. And I – but because I know there's funny coming up. But when I'm first writing a story, I think I get nervous of the silence. And I'm like, oh.
2: It's all working it out. The guy that runs that gig in Hanoi, he used to give motorcycle tours of North Vietnam. And his friends do it now. I'm going to actually try and go back in September and do that gig again. Just because I want to go
1: ride motorcycles in, in North Vietnam. Funny shit. We rode uh, motorcycles through Hanoi in the streets. Absolute fucking chaos. I love Hanoi. I love Those Hanoi. Those French tree-lined boulevards. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, such it, a great Hanoi city. Hanoi has such a European vibe. Like, I really felt that when I was there. It it's reminded so me of small like... small and charming. I, I, I love Hanoi. Yeah. Do you remember... Did you ever have a... I, I talk about this sandwich more than any one sandwich I've ever had in my life. They would make these street vendors, and like what looked like hot dog carts would make egg sandwiches with shredded pork in them, mm. and the bread was so f- cr- like fluffy, like meaning like so light and airy that the eggs, done over easy, in the bread would get absorbed by all the nooks and cranny of the bread, so it didn't spill out everywhere. And all I was wanted in it, and I, Asians, I've, I from what I understand, Asians predominantly have uh, have uh, are lactose intolerant. Is that right? Are they? I don't know. I, I think so. I think they're the number one most lactose intolerant. Black people, too, I think. Um, I just heard that somewhere. but uh, So they don't have cheese on the bread. But I was like, man, I'm bringing some American cheese next time. <laughs> and just go, hey, put that under there first. Some nice, good cheddar, horseradish cheddar. Oh, I'd like to go back to Vietnam. New Zealand was my favorite place. New well, Zealand is probably one of the fav- my favorite places I've ever been in my life. Just
2: magical, right? I did the New Zealand Comedy Festival three years ago.
1: They've got a comedy festival there?
2: Yeah, uh, you do two weeks in Auckland, and then I did the Best of the Fest tour um, at, immediately after. So I did one week doing theaters all over the North Island, and then one week doing theaters all over the South Island. So not, and so I, I really got to see – I didn't go to t- Queenstown, and I didn't go to Wellington. Queenstown, But I amazing. went – Pretty much everywhere else. I've been to Invercargill, baby. <laughs> that's like at the bottom of the earth. It is that's the that's the southernmost
1: city in in New Zealand. How does your how does your uh, I know your act doesn't change, but how does your approach to what you're talking about on stage change from say Hanoi to New Zealand to Lexington? Uh, I mean, I do what I do. I don't.
2: Um, not I don't. I don't have like regional stuff. I don't have like just American specific references yeah um you know i i think um that's where like talking about your world experiences come in handy because they want to hear it they want to they want to know about it yeah um but you know a well-written joke i mean i i don't have one style i have stories i have one-liners i got um you know social jokes uh mildly political stuff personal stuff um but I, I, I didn't have any limitation at all there. Really? I, I did what I, I you know I did I did a, an hour show every night in the uh, the classic that's the uh, the old best comedy club in Auckland where the festival is centered uh, every night and then on the best of the fest tour it was me and like five other guys and I did twenty minute sets every night so then it was really easy to crunch everything down yeah to you know the the
1: your best jokes for the 20 but did you so when so so how old were you when you moved to Amsterdam and you moved there for a girl correct yeah and so how were you when you moved to Amsterdam uh 2000 so I was what 33 33 and at that time you hadn't been performing much out of the country correct
2: no no I had done this Hong Kong China tour once yeah now, how much did and then I did the Melbourne Comedy Festival in two thousand in Australia. So I was I was just starting to, yeah, I was just starting to do the international stuff. Did I, they, I, I think like ninety eight, ninety nine. I first started to play Europe, and then two thousand. Well, no, yeah, I did the Hong Kong tour in ninety nine. Did that? Did that move change? Yeah, it's, it's exciting. And now for me. The most exciting thing in the world is to go to different countries, and you know, the because you have to make an adjustment when you're on stage uh, mentally, and like you, you do
1: have to drop a few minutes. Yeah, you got to drop. I didn't realize how r- American r- pop culture reference heavy my act was, yeah, until like, especially when I go somewhere like, um, like when I went to Edinburgh, I was like, oh wow, all I do really is talk about MTV. And like stuff I watch on TV, like I was like, I don't think I have any real life experience. This is was probably 2000, and then and I was like, oh, I need to really open my up, open up up a little bit. Even still, I go, I'm so American heavy. Like when I go to Canada, I I realize how often am I going to say the DMV in my jokes? I mean, I have the DMV for every. Oh, you're staring at me like I I work at the DMV and we skipped over your number. Oh. It's like an immigrant at the DMV. And I'm like, what the fuck, man? Like, don't don't I have anything other than this, like, small circle of which I I operate inside of, you know? Yeah. No, I don't do a lot of pop cultural references. Um,
2: You know, I mean, the the one benefit we have is that most everybody in the world knows American uh, culture and our, you know, politics, everything, Uh, uh, you know, that you meet asians in korea or japan and they are the biggest hip-hop fans in the world yeah i mean i was in osaka japan and i saw these guys dressed like uh los angeles mexican cholo guys with the the flannel shirt where the two buttons just at the top are buttoned and the yeah. white t-shirt underneath and like the hairnet like guys just like that in la in like the 80s yeah and I went up to these guys, and they were like, "Yeah, man!" And they they were into like uh, Mexican L.A. car culture, like with uh, doing the cars that do the the bouncy front. And This is in Osaka, Japan. The uh, people just there's certain parts of American uh, niche culture that that people grab onto and adore. So I think we've got that going for us. But you know, like I I, I love jokes. I love writing jokes there um, 's there's uh, there 's this, there's this this new joke i 've been doing for a couple months. Um, Adolf Hitler wanted to be an artist, yeah, he wanted to be a painter, but he wasn 't that good at it he sucked that 's why whenever I see an artist selling his paintings on the sidewalk or at a festival and they 're not very good, I always buy a couple yeah. <laughs> you never know what holocaust you could be preventing yeah, people come over to my House and they go, man, your taste in art sucks. And I go, yeah, but think of the lives I'm saving. <laughs> so I mean, like that joke is going to work anywhere in the world. Yeah, you know, everybody knows Hitler, and there's 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 nothing that needs to be changed about that. That's, so yeah. so. Writing those kind of jokes that um, are universally
1: funny is is what I'm after. Yeah. I feel like I'm I feel like I'm a tad bit uh I feel like I'm I've had my hour, my next hour, but it's not I I feel like two things. I I had a conversation with Burr about this the other night. I'm not challenging my I need to find a way to challenge myself to do something out of my comfort zone that'll help me grow as a comedian. Like right now I'm I'm really focusing on getting into character when I have the character Talking, you know, or 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 the one thing I did this last hour is I was I was taking bits where I was lazy and I was trying to rework them. So there were tags inside them and make the writing a little smarter and stop saying suck. My dick is my punchline, you know, and so uh, and so this one I was like. I was like, I'm I'm going to I'm going to try to get into characters, allow characters into my story more. And stop saying stuff like, and then she says, she's like, what, is, what are you, am I doing something wrong? And I was like, and then she was like, and just do the character and let the character dictate it. Characters
2: it. always work, especially yeah. accents. My wife, that's one of her observations. Anytime you see a comedian doing a character yeah. or especially an accent, that works everywhere in the world. So yeah. her, she's, we didn't live anywhere for 10 years and she traveled with me for eight of those years. And so that was one of her observations that she pointed out, like us doing these comedy festivals all over the world, that yeah. like anytime anybody does
1: an accent, it 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 works. That was the big thing in Africa. There was a kid, Nick, I forget his name, but he ju- he could do dialects, African dialects. So he'd do characters in their, in their dialects, and it was murderous. Destroyed. And like an idiot, I looked at it and I was like, that's a cheat. And now I look at it and go, uh, ah, that's not a cheat. <laughs> it's just making your show better. Yeah. As opposed to me. I mean, I'm so bad at accents. I do this story about hella skiing in Switzerland, and I cannot do a Swiss accent. It ends up sounding like Father Guido Sarducci. <laughs> okay, so here's what we're going to do. Like, I'm like, that's. I'm just so bad at fucking accents. I think I'm going to use that in my... It's funny. My, I
2: did a, a Swiss accent on my last hour. The really? story about... Yeah, I did this thing about... Um, Belgian chocolates that, that they've, they've had a problem with pedophilia in Belgium. You think maybe that's why they um, make such good chocolate because <laughs> little kids are smart They won't get into the van for shitty old chocolate. So there's a great one-nighter tour across Switzerland. Really, it's phenomenal. Yeah, I've done it twice. What you do Geneva? Who's mm-hmm. hooking you up with these, Brett? No, that's from living in. Um, that's from living in Europe, man. All is this is these- a triple run. No, (laughs) Jesus. Um, You do Geneva, Luzon, Basel, and Zurich. It's phenomenal. And they're in little theaters. It's such a great tour. Really? So I I did that joke in in Geneva, and after the show, this Swiss woman comes up to me, and she goes, your joke about the Belgian child molester. I was wondering why you did not use the Swiss chocolate. (laughs) I think everyone in the audience was wondering, why is he not using the Swiss chocolate? And I just think it's hilarious that the woman was concerned that the child molester in my joke was not using the best chocolate available.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
2: I said, lady, let's be honest. If the guy would have had a Toblerone, I would have fucked him. Uh, That's the best. But that's that's a joke from my last hour that I have since retired. But it's funny that you say... Because I don't, I don't do too many accents, but the one I attempted was the Swiss. Oh, I tried because uh, they speak French on the Geneva, Lucerne side, and on the Basel, Basel, Zurich side, they speak German.
1: Yeah, I so, went to, we flew into Zurich uh, when we went to Switzerland, and just had a fucking amazing experience. Went up to one of those little ski chalets where you have hot white wine. You ever been had, there? No,
2: I've had uh, I've had the um, the warm red wine uh, in winter the mulled wine. Is that maybe what I had? <clears throat> well, I, well, you said white. I know, but, I
1: thought it was white. I thought it was warm white no, wine. No, it's
2: a, it's a real Christmas thing and I played in Copenhagen uh, Denmark years ago in December. So it was a few mi- few weeks before Christmas and they sold it on the street and it was this it was it was it was hot red wine and it came with a little wooden spoon in your cup because there was raisins and nuts in the bottom really and that was really cool i mean imagine somebody selling alcohol on the street like a lemonade stand yeah. in the united states you'd never see that dude but in in denmark here's this this they're selling warm red wine with nuts and raisins at the bottom ugh just seems like something you gotta do. Like, and they, they also had these open torches along the the boulevard in in Copenhagen, like like Vikings would have, it was just these big open flames. And you would never see that in America because some moron would go stick
1: his face in the fire so he could sue the city. Yeah, that's one thing. We were talking about doing uh, theme parks over in Europe, and they were saying they have this one ride, Tivoli. It, what, was, Michael Jackson tried to buy Tivoli in Copenhagen. Is that? There's one where they have, they have like a, it's like a pendulum ride, but you're not buckled in. You're just, everyone's just in there together. And I was like, what if someone gets hurt? And they go, oh, the park will sue you. And I went, what? And they go, yeah, it's not like in the States where you'd sue the park. If you get hurt, hurt, the park will sue you. You get in trouble. And I was like, oh shit. I bet that fucking avoids a lot. (laughs) Good God. The water parks over in Europe are pretty fucking phenomenal. They've got some pretty amazing water parks. Where? Uh, ugh, I forget. I went to Wild Wadi
2: in Dubai. I'm uh, not a big fan of Dubai. That's the one place I would never go back to. But, really? But their water park was pretty decent. Wild Wadi. Why didn't you like Dubai? Um, <clears throat> it's very segregated. You've got the American hospital next to the Canadian hospital, uh, there's an English school, there's an American school. And then you see um, the slave labor there yeah. are Filipinos and Indian people from India, and they're being bused around the city on old American school buses with bars on the window. Wow. Um, didn't care for it. Now, what about other Muslim countries? <clears throat> um, I've been to Indonesia. Uh, I like Indonesia. Malaysia is one of the best. That They're very... Uh, and then the women are also kind of very sexy with their headscarves are colored. Yeah. And uh, Malaysia is one of my favorite countries to visit. The food and Malaysian food is incredible. Um, Singapore used to be part of Malaysia. So the food is very similar. There's the, They do this black pepper crab that I would fly to Singapore or Kuala Lumpur just to have the black pepper crab. Really? it's It's orgasmic. And it, it's very messy. You get it all over your face
1: and hands, but um, it's um, it's incredible. What now So, what do you feel about? Like, I was listening to this interesting talk about Islamophobia, and can I have another? Yeah, of course. You want? Really? Yeah, I love course. you so much. Yeah, really?
2: Of course. <laughs> You're the best. I had a... Thanks, Bert. No, of course. <clears> that really is fucking delicious. It's
1: a fantastic. Support. Oh my god! Then, so good. Thanks, babe. No, of course. You are a prince of a man. What is, um, what's, what's your thoughts on, um, I've been listening to this re- these really interesting conversations. There's a podcast I listened to from Sam Harris, and they're talking about, you know, with the travel ban and whatnot, they're talking about Islamophobia and how the Southern Poverty Law Center has, su- is suing, uh, Islamic people. Who are crit- criticizing Islam. What? I haven't heard of that. Yeah. Southern the P- Poverty Law Center sued this guy. I wish I was smarter. I tell you everyone's name. But he is... Uh, he's... Uh, oh, use the other one. Is that Use the, the straight cut. The V cut will fuck it up. This one? E- no, no, no. The other one. The other one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, you had it right the first time, I think. Yeah. yeah but um they they're suing people that are are talking about like uh that are cr- criticizing Islam. So apparently and this is this is a rough estimate in my perception cuz I don't I don't know I'm not exactly I'm I'm horrible at this. But they're talking about the the travel ban. And I, apparently there are some. And I'm, by the way, I'm, I'm interchangeably using Muslim and Islam, and I'm sure that's not accurate. But uh, I know Islamophobia is the word that they're using. So they're they're saying you know travel ban is not the way to go about affecting change. The, the way the way to affect change is to, uh, to for these moderate Islamic people to change within within their culture, stuff like their views on homosexuality and their views on women's rights, and the burqas. And because they're doing that and criticizing their own culture, the Southern Poverty Law Center is suing them for racism. So it's, it's the big problem is with the left. The the left apparently supports Sharia law, and, uh, and they're saying any critique... By the way, this is probably totally fucking wrong. Any critique coming from the left... Any critique about we need to change Sharia law and Islam and, and change them is racist. So they don't want to be racist. They want to allow Sharia law, which is somewhat inherently oppressive to those who aren't hardline, diehard Muslims. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, I, I don't know exactly um, what you're talking about. But as much as American people talk about Uh, their fear of Sharia law, we are going – we're getting closer to having our own version of that because Trump is going to get rid of the Johnson Act or the Johnson bill that was the separation of church and state where uh, uh, non-tax-exempt groups like churches can't be involved in endorsing political candidates. So uh, we're letting more – Uh, religious fanatical people be involved in our country and deciding things. So I can't really comment on what's happening in the Muslim world. Yeah. Uh, I I know loads of Muslim people in Europe um, who are gay, straight, everything you could imagine. They're just regular human beings. I had a great love story with a, a, a Muslim Moroccan girl when I lived in Amsterdam for a while. Um Malaysia is a very um, open-minded – I know they, they've, they've had some fanatics try and uh, push their government. But Malaysia is an interesting place because it's predominantly Muslim, but there's a lot of Indian Hindus that live there and Chinese Christian or Buddhist. Yeah. And the Malaysian slogan is One Malaysia, meaning we're all one. And um, – uh th- they seem to be very chill relaxed people but you know the the uh, there's a lot of hardliners in the middle east and there's definitely a lot of fanatical muslims that uh, frighten the shit out of everyone have you traveled to india
1: i have not been to india i'd love to go to india yeah i would too india is one of the places that's on that is a place i will fly myself to if i just if i could just there's get- a new movie out uh this year called lion i heard about this Watch
2: that movie, and I defy you not to cry your eyes out at the end of that film. Really, <laughs> it is. I watched it a few nights ago, um, well, about a week ago, because what the SAG Awards were a week ago, and yeah. I'm SAG, so they sent me all the screener movies, and I watched that movie and <laughs> cried my eyes out. Really? Yeah, it's incredible. Now, do you do you do you schedule your touring for the whole year,
1: or do you just schedule it? I'm uh I'm always booked up like six months in advance. Really? So you know where you'll be for the next six months? Yeah. Any abroad stip uh any travel abroad? I've got uh I'm gonna do the um
2: Tumler in Amsterdam.
1: <clears throat> oh, I bombed there. Did you really? No, no, no. I'm trying to think. No, I what's the one I bombed at the place that's uh I don't know, they they did half the show in Dutch and then switched. And they're like, all right, now it's for the English portion of the show. And I was the first English person to go up, and it just went horribly. Not that gig you and I did in Amsterdam. No, that wasn't Dutch. No, you
2: and I did that television taping.
1: There. Yeah, that, no, that was, I did good on that. Yeah. Um, but we did Toomler the night before. That's what we, me and you partied after Toomler, right? Toomler's an underground kind yeah, of place. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Toomler, it's connected to the Amsterdam Hilton. That's yeah. where I fell in love with Holland. That's a great <sighs> club. That's a great club. So I'll be there. Um, July here. I have the dates. I will be at Tumler in Amsterdam, July nineteenth through twenty-two, and then I'm going to be doing the Dublin International Comedy Festival, July twenty-seventh through the 29th. Holy shit! Are
1: you doing all Can your? Can I plug cane? some dates?
2: Yeah, please plug some dates. I'm going to be in Tampa at Side Splitters on March twenty-third through the twenty-sixth. You ever nice. done Side Splitters? No, Bobby yeah. Jewell. Bobby Jewell. and then uh, I'm going to be in Atlanta at the Laughing Skull, April sixth oh, to the ninth. Room, I've
1: never done it. Oh, seriously, April sixth to the ninth. Oh, you're going to fucking love it. You're going to love it. Can't wait. It's uh, Marshall Childs. Yeah, and uh, I've always I've always got a kick out of that. I've always got I've always liked Atlanta. I'm going to try to do a theater. I think this year in Atlanta because I I don't know none of it. Like I can't do. I mean I can do um, Laughing Skull, but I, in order to make Money for me I gotta do like Three shows A fucking Saturday And I just It's too much it's, it, Like I just end up Losing my mind So I'm gonna see Three shows do. Is too much In yeah. the night And so And I don't wanna gouge Ticket prices So yeah. like I'm, I'm like You know what But every time I go there I end up going And doing a gig there Because it's just So fucking great And I've worked weekends there It's the greatest place To do a weekend I heard it was phenomenal it's, I've never done it It's great But it seats like I think it seats like 80 oh, people 80 people Yeah and uh and my my new thing right now is like I was talking to Sigur about it, is finding th- and I was talking to uh I was just gonna say Gene Pompa, Tom Papa about it. Is finding places that seat 420, 300. Maybe you don't make, you know, twenty one thousand there like some of the guys who do theaters, but maybe you can just do a night and like, you know, like uh in Philly there's the truck seat six hundred so you figure I could probably move 600 tickets within the – I'll definitely move 600 within the weekend. But if I go, maybe I just do two shows on a Saturday, you know, and you can clear more money than you'd make in a weekend. So that's what I'm looking at. Like Detroit, um, I just got the list of theaters that I was interested in. I haven't played Detroit in like 20 years. Dude, I've never been to Detroit. So you know what I'm doing? I'm doing a Kickstarter. So I'm going to do a Kickstarter and say, hey, guys, I would like to come to Detroit. I've got the Crowfoot uh I they told me the date but I haven't figured out the I haven't I haven't shot the the Kickstarter and say hey if you th- if you would like to come to my show buy a ticket here if I can sell whatever that if I can sell that place out for 25 bucks a ticket then I'll come and if I if I hit this many then I then I'll show up so it's an, it's a way of Instead of booking a theater and then showing up and it being half full, it's a way to find out if you can sell a theater. In, in, in sense, you right. know, and it kind of goes under the radar. I was thinking about doing that with a cruise. Jay, big uh, big Jay, and I were thinking about doing that with a cruise and sell, you know, eleven hundred dollar cruise packages and see if we can sell get all the money to sell out a cruise. Cool. You know, but uh, but let's cool, like bands do that. Yeah, bands do well. I, and then we started going. Well, fuck it. Why don't we just get amass the talent, you know, a lot of all things comedy roster, a lot of like, a lot of guys, all of us out here, and have someone foot the bill for us and just have it so it's favored nations, and we all get free rooms, all get to hang out, podcast, do shows, but then I start getting all this fucking work in my head, and I go, oh, I should be working on my stand-up maybe a little more than trying to put together a fucking cruise, what am I, a fucking, what am I love boat, you know, like...
2: Oh, do it all! I mean, uh, you know, there's that stigma of comedians doing cruises. I I have never done one. Oh,
1: there is, I think it's changed a tad bit.
2: But I mean, like where like bands do it, and I've I've heard of some comedy shows where like if it's a specific thing, like, you know, yeah, Benson. That, that's not like being a boat act. <coughs> the
1: uh, the impractical jokers do a cruise, and they sell it out, and they bring Stanhope and. And uh, Owen Benjamin and Big J—they bring all these com- great comics, and then they do a live show. They do some shooting on the boat, but then they also do—they also do stand up. So a bunch of people do stand up on them. I just enjoy cruises. I really do. That sounds so silly. Really? Yeah, I enjoy them. I get a kick out of them. Bill Burr's making fun of people on cruises. Yeah, and yeah whole... I just
2: I watched his special last night. Yeah, and I was <laughs> He's like, talking about I was like, people I... that, that travel—they ah! think it's traveling ah i don't know
1: what's for fucking. i don't want to think yeah i don't want to think that's so me (laughs) i love it going and getting a good you know the only thing i don't like is i don't like the excursions i like staying on the boat the whole fucking time really you ever
2: gone on a cruise i went on one uh in the mediterranean a few years ago oh really uh and we went all over greece and um oh that would be fucking phenomenal uh, yeah that was really great have you been where have you been in greece been to the island of Rhodes twice because it's got my fucking name on it. Yeah, uh, I actually like when I lived in Amsterdam. When I had off weeks, I would try and take as many trips around Europe as I could. Really? So I I went to the island of Rhodes once, and and uh, people say it's the Florida of Europe. But hey, man, I'm from Florida. Get the get off my dick. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I would always wanted to go there, and I I I actually swam naked the length of the entrance of Rhodes Harbor, where the Colossus of Rhodes stood. Uh, It's at the, it's Rhodes City on the island of Rhodes, the entrance of Rhodes Harbor, where the Colossus of Rhodes once stood. And I had to wait until like three o'clock in the morning. I was already a little drunk when I got there and I brought a six pack and I sat there and drank it. And I had to wait until like three o 'clock in the morning when these teenagers on mopeds finally left, yeah, and then so i I, I slipped off my shorts and I got in the water and i I, I swam uh, the it, going across wasn 't bad, but coming back i 'm not a strong swimmer, so I was like really doggy paddling yeah on the way back, but I had to do it i mean i actually for a minute, I thought this might be my Jeff Buckley. Drowning in the Mississippi River <laughs> moment. Yeah. Um, but I had to do it in, in case it gave me any superpowers. Like yeah. if it made my dick bigger or my jokes funnier, you know? Yeah. I'm Tom Rhodes swimming naked at the entrance of Rhodes
1: Harbor where the Colossus of Rhodes once stood. So I did it. I survived. We swam. Uh, when we were, in, we were in Corfu, I always brag about this place, the Pink Palace. One of the most interesting places I've ever been in my life. Partied. Aggressively hard there um, the first place I ever took liquid uh liquid ecstasy, which I think is technically GHB but uh we go we're at the beach and it's me and my buddy cho and this kid Andy, and this kid Tim, and uh they're like uh there's like a little platform where where you'd take off to go parasailing out in the ocean and they're like let's swim out there and we'll just chill out there and we'll get some sun and I was like, okay. Maybe it's a uh, hundred yards out. I'm I'm guessing, and I just I I didn't. It's the first time in in because I think growing up in Florida you swim so much. It's the first time that halfway out I was like, oh, this is how people drowned. Like you get exhausted and yeah, you, you can no longer far. swim, and then you sink. And I was like, oh fuck. And by the time I got out there, I was like, I was exhausted. And on the swim back, I was like, oh fuck. This is where it gets dangerous, but I just I just ended up. Yeah, on that's my, what happened to me? I think it was because I was a little drunk. Too. Yeah, oh, I was definitely drunk when I did this. We did that another time in, in Greece, where we we were with these girls, and they were like, "Those all those boats out there are empty. Let's go out to a boat and hang out on it." So we all get naked and we swim out to this boat and we get on this boat and uh, and I realize I I don't know if I can make the fucking swim back. And they're like, "All right, fuck it. We can't get on the boat." Like we get, I think we get on the boat. And then they're like, there's nothing here. It's like a little, it's a bullshit boat. And they're like, let's swim back. And I was like, motherfucker. I was like, God, this is exactly how you die. I was swimming in Alabama. My wife has this house in Alabama. And there's, from one side of the lake to the other, it's not It's not that far, but it's it's fairly far. And my daughters call it the Alabama Channel. And my wife will swim it. My wife's a really good swimmer. And I, I was, this is the first time in my life, but I was like, we're bringing a life vest, just in case. Like, I just want to have something. Because my daughters had life vests on. I was like, I'm bringing a life vest just in case something, like a cramp or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. But we grew up in Florida, like, surfing out in New Smyrna. And you'd go out. New Smyrna Beach, that's my beach, baby. It's the best fucking beach. That's where I grew up going to New Smyrna. We would skip school and go
2: to New Smyrna Beach. And then you can drive cars on it. Yeah. So after homecoming and prom, we would drive our dates out to New Smyrna Beach. And uh, that's where we would make out and kiss parked on cars and new, S- new smyrna beach is my my spiritual home dude i have a hardcore connection with new smyrna that's my beach man i can't believe you just mentioned new smyrna beach to
1: me. i'll take it even i'll
2: take it one <laughs> step I have further a, um some old great friends of mine from that i went to high school with um they live on this inlet there on new smyrna beach so the last two christmases i went out there and and we went on a boat ride uh two christmases ago uh, we did midnight yoga because Christmas there was a full moon. Oh yeah, on New Smyrna Beach. Um, but I, I've had some of the greatest experiences of my life on New Smyrna Beach. We
1: uh, we had a friend who had a house in New Smyrna, and we used to go out every every uh, like every long weekend from my freshman year of high school until my senior year of high school. I mean, so much so that we would go out there sometimes for our spring break and just spend the week out there. Me, ten kids, ten guys. And so I'm very familiar with it. And when sometimes when the waves wouldn't be up in New Smyrna, they'd be up at another beach. So I'm doing an interview in Ohio and this is a, a black dude is the DJ. And he I said something to the fact of I grew up in Florida. And he and said I grew up in Florida. I said, really? He goes, yeah. I said, whereabouts? He said, you probably don't know it. And I said, where? And he goes, New Smyrna. And I went, oh, shut the fuck up. And then I said, and now by the way, well, this is a morning show. And so I go, Do you remember the Black Beach? And he was like, Everyone's like, What did you just say? I said, There was a Black Beach where back in the 50s, that's where the black people would go swimming. And that if the waves weren't up in New Smyrna, they were up at the Black Beach. And it had a name. And ev- and the, they get so uptight that, that racism was a thing. The, the idea that I would bring it up or I would refer to it as a Black Beach. I didn't know they had such a thing. And, he, and the kid goes, Oh, Bethune Cookman, was the name of the, b- the beach. Was Bethune Cookman? Wow! And it was, and that's the <clears throat> <clears throat> historic black college is Bethune Cookman. Yeah. And so, and he, and it was so funny to see people seize up for fear of racism when I wasn't. I wasn't saying I segregated beaches. I was just saying there was a bl- the beach when in the fifties. The black people would go. There's a new. I, I had that experience in.
2: Uh, I don't want to cut you off. but I no. had that experience in phoenix years ago when i came back from amsterdam uh i was on a mexican radio station and i told them about um how the moroccans are like the mexicans in in europe in holland where they had after world war ii all these moroccans came to europe to to rebuild after world war ii and it was cheap labor and that they're discriminated against and, and everybody and – just exactly what you're saying. Everybody got all weird. Like I was saying something out of control. But I was like I'm drawing a perfect parallel and they're demonized in the press. Yeah. Uh, the, way, the way Mexicans are. Yeah. In the United States. And like these guys all acted like I had said you know, something out of line. But I was explaining th- what Holland is like and – you know, I think I was talking about the Moroccan girl I had dated. It's so funny. I, really?
1: I said to Al Madrigal, we're getting the house done, redone. And I, and I really grew an affinity for these guys working on the house, these Mexican guys. Like, I really, I was really impressed by their work ethic, by how fucking, how insightful they were, how they didn't, how, just how great collectively they were. And I said to Al, I go, how do Mexicans get a bad rap? Al, yeah. Als Mexican for anyone who doesn't know Als Mexican and he said the press press demonized them in the fucking 40s and 50s yeah. and they made them because uh what was his reason? Oh fuck, what was his reason? I love everything
2: Mexican culture. Yeah. The music, the food, um and, and uh I've I've had a lot of great trips in Mexico. I love It's Mexican. too bad all the um the the drug car activity um, when I used to play in El Paso years ago, I would go over to Juarez yeah. and like have lunch in the afternoon. Um, there is so many, I've, 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 I've been to Acapulco years ago, been to Cancun twice to go to Chitzenitza. Yeah. I've been to uh Chitzenitza Is that? No, I'm thinking of Tulum. I've been to Tulum. Yeah. Tulum's amazing. It's on the, um, on the, on the sea and you're swimming next to these, these, these temple ruins. Just gorgeous. It, it, you got sand like cookie dough. Oh. And uh, it, it's like
1: uh, uh, turquoise blue water. It's so beautiful. It really is gorgeous. There's a, a scuba dive I like to do in Cancun where they've ba- they've sunk all these statues. And it's like all these cement statues of all these like, like 50, 70 statues all facing the same direction. And they're all sunk and standing on the bottom of the ocean. I want to do it so bad. But when I went, the weather was shitty and they, we couldn't. Our visibility was poor, so they canceled the dive. Can I tell you a cute story about Itzá? Please. Itzá was the Rome of the Mayan Empire. Yeah.
2: And Itzá means wizard's mouth. And there's this big sinkhole there. I'm from Florida. I know what a sinkhole is. Yeah. It's a sinkhole. And that is Chitsunitza. That's the wizard's mouth. And they built all the temples next to it. The Mayans thought this was the portal to the afterlife, so they would sacrifice people and throw their bodies in there, you know, in big elaborate ceremonies. Right next to Chichen Itza and these temples is one of the poorest villages I've ever seen in my life. No electricity, kids barefoot, dirty-faced, you know, um, dirt floor, dirt, everything, And in 1911 or something like that, some archaeologist from Harvard went down there and excavated the bottom of that sinkhole, and they found tons of gold that were on – it was jewelry that was on the sacrifice victims, people, that were thrown into the sinkhole. And uh, it's just funny to me that – these people in this very poor village right next to it have lived there for thousands of years, and it never occurred to any of them to get a ladder and see if anything was at the bottom.
1: Yeah, those what were those? We've 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 gone swimming in a bunch of cenotes over in Mexico. Those are fucking phenomenal. those underground. Those underground
2: rivers. I've never done that. I've. Uh, I've I stopped at one on the way to Chitsinits and saw it, but I I I I didn't get to do it. It looked fantastic.
1: Oh, it's probably one of the more uh one of the more spiritual moments I've ever had is in uh in one of those big open cenote's and just floating around and it's literally like walls seventy feet up and, and and all open sky with birds in the middle of the jungle and you're just like oh, this is it this is what it's about. I've had that there and then um where the fuck was I? Everything blurs into one. You know, that's my problem with travel, is everything blurs into... Did you finish your, your thing on New Smyrna Beach? I think I cut you off. No, I from- think
2: I did. I'm sure I did. I, I love you for your I New Smyrna love Beach
1: love New Smyrna Beach.
2: Also, growing up in Florida, um, everybody had swimming pools. Yeah. So all the first girls I ever kissed and made out with was after a day of swimming. Yeah. So to this day the smell of chlorine on a woman drives me crazy. Really? I love it. It's really Yeah. That's so funny. That's, you know it's can I can if I ever come out with my own fragrance it's going to smell something like chlorine and Hawaiian tropic suntan lotion.
1: Uh I get uh I get a flutter in my heart <laughs> when I when I go to a golf course at night. Oh my god! No, I used to kiss girls on golf courses too. Oh my god! Fucking Palmasia Golf Course every Friday and Saturday night. We would all go around. We'd all meet up in South South Tampa. All go over to Palmasia Golf Course. And just everyone just go out into the whatever t- green tees they were, and just all in the fairways, and just make out and hang out, smoke grass. So funny my buddy Russell Matthews, his father passed away when we were freshmen in college, and he lived by the golf course, and we were at his house for the for the after the wake, and we all just went out to the golf course, smoked a joint, drank some beers, and just and he was like. He was like, ah. and it was like the first of our friends whose father passed. But to this day, going to a golf course, that was like, I mean, that was like any dance would it be at a country club. So you'd all take off out in the golf course. Oh, I love golf courses at night. Oh, what's up, baby? Oh, Hi. Sorry. That's okay. What's this? Yay. All right. Astro. What are you doing, baby? Did you just get back? Yeah. Did you make any sales? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Why are you giving me this? I don't want any of this. <laughs> Alright How old's your daughter? She's adorable She is uh, 12 What's up Popeye? Oh G- Okay Georgia Georgia No oh, I thought she going to Knock the camera over What's are you up filming Chris? this? Oh yeah I oh, it Oh fantastic yeah. yeah No she's not supposed To be out here Go take her Why don't you go get her A treat The dog Fucking five knee surgeries the dog had five knee surgeries? Yeah, five knee surgeries. Uh, two on each, and then an extra on one her on other one. It started off... Yeah, it's been... That dog's been a fucking sinkhole of money. Speaking of sinkholes. Where's your favorite place in Greece? Corfu? Corfu, easily. But that... Now, by mind you, I was 22 when I was there. Okay. So it's a place called the Pink Palace, run by a guy named Dr. George. I'd be shocked if he's still alive. He would come out, and he would... They'd, you'd get there, they'd give you a shot at Uzo, they'd go, go put your stuff in your room, take all your clothes off, put on your sheet, all the sheets were pink, put on your sheet as a toga, and meet us back here. And you'd go in, it was a huge like ballroom, Like it, it would be what a... They just took all the tables out of the cafeteria where you were eating, and they had a bar there, and a pool table, and a foosball table, and everyone would sit in a circle, and Dr. George uh, had an assistant with him who'd have... Four feet worth of white plates stacked. And they start playing the music, you know, and every- and he'd start dancing, the Greek dance in the center, and everyone would start cheering. And then slowly but surely, he'd grab a plate and he'd flip it in his hand and catch it and walk up to someone and crash it over their head. And fucking people will go nuts. So everyone's sitting in a circle with their heads sticking into the center of the circle, and he's just dancing, taking plates and smashing them over your head. It was the fucking craziest thing I've ever seen. The state. Do you remember the state on MTV? Yeah. The state. David Wayne. Um, all the all the all the the whole state, except for Michael Ian Black, oddly enough, who is the only one I'm friends with. Um, they were there. They were there that day, and uh, I met I met them, and I knew who the state was. So I grab them, I'm like, dude, I'm a huge fucking fan. They're like, oh, cool. And they're like, wait, what's about to go on? And I was like, come on. And so we go in and, my, and uh, David Wayne is there and they're just smashing plates over people's heads. Every night was a fucking party. I, I always say that I, we went to Amsterdam and I, I had this flying dildo story that I told on Ari Shafir's show, the storytelling show and in Amsterdam, and I met these guys. I met all these guys, and then we went to the Anne Frank house, and I didn't know... I always thought Anne Frank and Helen Keller were the same person, so I ended up... What? I know, I know. It's I'm, I'm doing this a bit now, so I won't run the bit by you, but um, ultimately, I find out my, my mistake, high shit, in the Anne Frank house, that it's not Helen Keller. All I've been doing is telling Helen Keller jokes. So all these guys immediately are like, I will do anything with you. You are the funniest human being we've ever seen. I had, I had... An hour before that, I had a dildo shoved down my throat in a live sex place, tied up or handcuffed naked, and then this happens, and I go, we're going to Corfu. So we all got in an overnight train from Greece all the way down to Barry, got in a boat at Barrie over to Corfu, landed Corfu. I mean, we've been traveling 24 hours straight. The first thing we do when we get into the Pink Palace, they see – the people at the Pink Palace see me, and they go – the machine and i was like and my friends were like shut the fuck up i was like this place is gonna be fun oh it was great man it was so cheap everything was like dirt cheap it was such just such a every time i say serious my fucking phone goes off really yeah because of siri but uh it was one of the coolest experiences i've ever had that backpacking through europe i think that changed my cultural dna when i was 22 Living in Russia and then coming over and backpacking around Europe and bouncing around into Interlaken. I've since been back to Interlaken, and it's crazy when you go to a place you haven't been in twenty years and you're like, "Oh shit, I remember this place." Oh shit. Oh, get out of town. Like no way. Oh, this is that grocery store. Like yeah, it's uh. But that was one of the coolest life experiences I had backpacking through Europe. I think I th- I'm just blown away. Although, I, and I'd say anyone should do that. But I just watched the Amanda Knox documentary. And it was terrifying. Like she was in some small Italian vi- t- village. You know that story, right? Yeah, and I started to watch that documentary,
2: and then I was like, ah, I don't want to get into this. Yeah. Something more cheerful.
1: Hey, what have you watched lately that's good?
2: Uh, Marco Polo. On the fucking, on, yes, Netflix. on Netflix. <clears <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> throat> holy God, shit. It. It's the true. Guy. You know it's true. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, the the guy, it's not Genghis Khan. It's his son Kublai Khan. Yeah. The guy that plays him is so great. He's this big, massive dude. Um, the acting in it is incredible. There's great fight scenes. Um, the, I, I absolutely loved and devoured Marco Polo. Uh, before that, I watched Narcos, which was oh also God. amazing. The guy that plays uh, Pablo Escobar, in, what a great actor. He, he, the way he would hold his stomach, these certain
1: mannerisms, uh, the acting in that was incredible. If you could option the rights to any one historical figure and you play that historical figure, who would it be?
2: Mm. Wow. <clears throat> um, well, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm obsessed with, um, uh, I've got a few historical obsessions. And one of them is Crazy Horse, but I, I couldn't play. Yeah, oh, enough makeup, culturally appropriate.
1: Older <laughs> white guy, not going to play. I guess we should wrap this up soon. I guess my family's here. Family activities. I'm, st- I'm only I'm only home for a couple of days, so okay, I try buddy. to fucking try to be a parent when I can. My one daughter took off to some camp today. Man, it was the greatest joy of my life seeing how excited she was. She was so like that. What buses. kind of camp is it? It's uh, <clears throat> it's like I I don't know uh, to be honest with you because it used to be Astro Camp, but they changed it and now it's just
2: Leanne, Leanne. Hi Leanne, Tom? how are you? I met you a few years ago. Yes. Great to see you. Thank you
1: for coming back. Hey, yeah, babe. Um, what's the camp all I went to? Pally Camp. Pally. What is it? It's the Pally Institute. It's not, I don't really know. Okay. It's like an outdoor... Where is it? Is it in... It's two and a half hours from here. It's in the snow, though. Yeah, so... Nice. So she... I mean she did this thing today where you know she is she has tactile issues so like shoes and socks and underwear they drive her fucking nuts and we will have big knockdown dragout fights with her about it but today she was put on these shoes that she doesn't like but she was so excited she goes you know mom I'm going to have to learn to do this by myself because no one can tie these complicated shoes up there for me I've got to <laughs> learn how to do it and we're just like oh my god and then I said I was telling Tom when uh, when we saw the when we saw the bus She's like, "That's the bus!" I and mean, she was like freaking out. I was like, "Oh my god!"
0: It was really
1: cute. Cool. To it back, so. Yeah, it really was. All right, all right, nice all right. Great to see you again. Um, are you doing any spots
2: this week? No, I'm gonna I'm gonna be at the Punchline in San Francisco this week. Oh really? Uh, Wednesday through Saturday. Shut the fuck <laughs> up. Yeah, that's one of my favorite clubs on the planet Earth. Yeah, that's uh, living in San Francisco for seven years in the '90s is where I really um, got really great uh went from just southern road guy to um being more worldly minded yeah so the punchline is um that's one of my spiritual
1: homes i love that place yeah i'm doing a i'm doing a run santa barbara san francisco sacramento in a in a few months just like theaters no 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 uh i think santa barbara is a small theater i mean like probably Three hundred seats, not cool. not huge, uh, and then I'm sure punchline in Sa- San Francisco, Friday, Saturday, maybe, yeah, and then punchline in San- Sacramento. Oh, great! I've always want to do the punchline in Sacramento. That's where I another kinda, great room. It's I a great room. I used to do a club called Laughs Unlimited in Sacramento, which was really where I learned how to do stand up. Meaning, like, learned how to do an hour, learned how to do twenty, learned how to do an hour. I used to do that four times a year, and uh, and then the green room in Sa- San Francisco which I think is the old Punchline. Do you remember the
2: green Oh, no, 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 no. That was like the old Cobbs or something. The old Cobbs, yeah. that's it. That old Cobbs was great. Oh, you that know, was an amazing one. When movie. I lived there, there was, you know, there was the, the improv was in the theater district. Cobbs was at Fisherman's Wharf. Yeah, that's the where punch the punchline. Yeah. Uh, downtown in the Embarcadero. Uh, it was really, and then it was a great period in comedy then because... You know, Patton Oswald lived there. Blaine kapach Greg Proops, Margaret Cho, Dana Gould. There's God a lot of brilliant it. comedians. and Mark Maron. Yeah, what a great list of comics. That was, was a really great period in comedy. That really was.
1: That's like like, like a great- LA
2: now. Is this is the? It's the, the Renaissance. It's the the golden age of
1: comedy right now in in Los Angeles. It really is. I mean, that going to the store, just bumping into who you bump into there, you're like, what the fuck. I haven't done it. Yeah, any- and I know
2: what you're saying about uh trying new stuff because like I had a couple of new bits that I wanted to do on Saturday, but I just I I got greedy and just wanted to destroy it. Because you know, you're going on after all these brilliant Ron comedians. White and Daniel Tosh Everybody. and Phil Louis there and Bill and, you know, and Joe. Louis CK when he's in town, Dave Chappelle uh when he's in town, uh there's just so many brilliant comedians there. So I know what you're saying. That urge to do—I want to try this new bit
1: or just destroy for yeah. 15 minutes for your slice of pie. It's like, and and I go, you know, this is where if someone's going to see you, they're going to see you. You know, someone's like, oh shit, we're making a movie. You'd be perfect for this. Or yeah, not that I, that that's my career tra- trajectory, but like, it is kind of a, you know, a, it's I don't know. I I I've, I've had bad sets there in the OR. Because I'm trying stuff, and then I I want to say to the audience, "Hey, you guys know I'm really funny. Like, like I I can really do great stuff, but I can't because I'm not going to push myself to grow." Well, it's funny. Well, <clears throat> I
2: when I was 19, I had been on comedy for two years, and I won this contest, the funniest person in Central Florida. And really, th- the grand prize was I got a plane ticket to fly to Los Angeles, and I got to do a set at the Comedy Store, and it was at the in the OR, yeah. and I remember being 19. And so terrified to go on stage there. And there'll be sometimes when I'm on stage at the comedy store now and I'm in the pocket and everything's working and I'm killing. And I think to myself, man, this feels like your favorite pair of old Levi's, you know, just so comfortable and it feels so good. And then I'll have the it'll flash into my head for a second. Oh, my God. Once upon a time, I was 19 years old standing here scared shitless. Yeah. And now it's all these years later and it feels
1: like home. That's so I have those moments. My thing is a little more uh a little more immediate because you know it was one of my goals was to get past at the comedy store and I was you know, I was not for like that was it was a big problem. The Tommy guy didn't like me. Just didn't think I belonged in comedy. And you're like, ugh, you're not allowed to say stuff like that. Wow. And you, you can't say that. And he was like, wanted me to work the, in the fucking parking lot. I had a TV show at the you? time. You? Yeah. Yeah, I was no like, kidding. I was like, I, no, I'm not working in the parking I'm not going to take a part-time job just so I can get... I go, I just will never work there. Then uh, I got passed recently when Adam came over and took over. He's like, You'd, we'd love to have Yeah, you I never knew here. that Tommy guy. I came... Um, after him, I came in the Adam period. And so I got passed by Adam and I was, and it was a, it was a fucking, it was a big fucking deal for me. So now, now my real surreal moment uh, in all honesty is like not as much performing there. It's when I go there to perform and everyone's nice to me. Like, and I don't feel like I don't belong. Right. And you just walk through the kitchen, you go back to that back bar and everyone's like, what's up Bert? And you go, I go that, that is the comfortable pair of jeans for me. When you, because that feeling of being comfortable at a comedy club, as opposed to there's so many times that you don't, you aren't as a young kid. When you you're show, young, yeah, nobody knows you. Yeah, and you're, you're, and you're like, like you're you're trying to be pretty and be noticed, and you're sitting at a table in the back, and they're like, "Hey, man, you can't sit here." And you're like, "I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I'll just go to the bar. I'm just I'm a comic," and they're like, yeah. "Do you work this room?" You're like, "I have not. I have you know, like I had that feeling like the first time I went." To do a set. One of the times I went to do a set in uh, in the store, I went through the, I was going in the back and the guy goes, You got to go around the front. And I said, Oh, I'm just doing something in the belly room. He goes, I, I said, You got to go around the front. I was like, Okay. So I went around the front. They're like, Your ID? And I was like, I, I don't have it on me. I was like, Hold on. I'm on the show. And they're like, Oh, what's your name? And I was like, Oh, fuck. And I just, and they're just doing their job. They're not right. being dicks, but I'm just melting down in my head. And I'm like, This is not how you want to go perform. And now when I go, I show up and they're like, Hi, Bert. makes me feel like, it makes me feel like, you know, it's interesting. I stopped working for Travel Channel right around the same time that I started working at the store. Um, probably a little, yeah, I'm, I'm guessing. And, uh, and I said to myself when I was on Travel Channel, I was like, I would give this all away right now just to be a regular at the store, be a paid regular. It was wow. so important to me. Because you know, comedy is my real thing. That's the real thing I'm good at. And, and anyone can host a TV show. I'm never going to be better than Guy Fieri. He's Guy Fieri says little things in sizzled compo- bite sized components. Man, that's like that's like that's better, better than sex with your you know like whatever he says. I was never good at that. I was just good at being myself. But man, that the store was like a big fucking deal to me. And I and but it's funny. Not it's just being accepted. And it's I'm. Going through this in therapy, apparently, the majority of my entire life is about validation. I validate you, Bert. You do, yeah, you do, yeah. You might, just, you, no, just
2: you, the fact that you've had um, meaningful experiences at New Smyrna Beach, yeah, makes you, no, uh, you a
1: top I, quality human in my book. You know for a fact <laughs> there is a handful of people that I that as a younger comic, not much, but younger than it was like you, Stanhope, Rogan. Guys that I looked up to immensely, and my friendships with, it's exclusive specifically the three guys I just mentioned, you, Stanhope, and Rogan, are probably my some of my most meaningful friendships because it it means a great deal to like. Be around you and not be nervous, you know, and be able to be myself because I wasn't always that guy. I wasn't always that guy with you, Stanhope and Rogan. Like I, you remember the first time I. I don't, I don't know if you remember the first time I met you in Amsterdam. And, no, and no. no.
2: Yes, oh, no. yes. No, no, you told me in New York. At the Bag Inn. Right. And you asked you said you, you asked me for advice, and I said, if you buy me a drink, I'll tell you everything I know. And
1: I said, Great. I pulled out my dad's credit card, <laughs> gave it to Patrick at the bag it in. I was like, whatever he wants. <laughs> yeah. And I but that whole night I was so fucking That's nervous. It's a great story. Yeah. And the first time I met Rogan, I was like I was like, he opened his door and he and was just, like, And just picture you pulling out your dad's credit card." so the small parts of that story that, that I I remember going... And you telling your dad it was worth it. My dad said, it "Was this is for emergencies? Don't use this. This is for emergencies." <laughs> and I was I was making twenty five bucks a night working the door, and I'd I hadn't gotten paid yet, I think. And you because you get Lewis would give us money at like two in the morning, and I remember walking right up and I was like. Hey, Tom, I'm Bert. I'm a Florida comic, too. And I'm just such a huge fan, and it would mean a great deal if I could sit and maybe pick your brain about comedy. And I remember you just looked at me real flatly, and you're like, if you buy me a beer, buy me a drink, I'll tell you everything you need to know. And I was like, okay. And I heard my dad, okay, this is an emergency. You need that credit card. <laughs> but, yeah, that and, uh, and uh, you know who else I ended up drinking with down there was uh, – Do you remember the band Driving and Crying? One of my favorite bands. I
2: opened opened for Driving and Crying in Winter Park, Florida once. Really? That's how I uh, discovered them. Uh, And it was on the Whisper Tames the Lion tour, which was one of my favorite albums. I I bought that album at the show where some band was supposed to open up for them and couldn't make it. And... uh, I forget the name. It was it was on Park Avenue in Winter Park. I think think the place was called Two Flights Up or something. I forget. It was like a Rollins College Bar. Yeah. And so <clears throat> I opened up for them, and they blew me away. Powerhouse, the song Powerhouse. Yeah. Power fucking house. Uh, I never knew the Lord until I found the power chord. There's so many great oh. songs on that album. Um uh, yeah yeah uh, I, I I know driving and crying very well. So Whisper I,
1: Tames the Lion. So I was obsessed with driving and crying in college and obsessed with the lead singer Kevin Kinney. Kevin Kinney. Kinney. And His so, solo album McDougal, McDougal Blues. Blues. So you Love can that. imagine you can imagine the awe in my face when I meet Kevin Kinney and I said uh and I said he's at the bar. I hear him singing, he's playing up on stage, doing something solo, and I go, I know that fucking voice, I go, oh my god, it's Kevin Kinney, so he comes over to the bar, sits down, I want to say he had a cigarette, but I, I just remember distinctly, there was, I, I'm almost certain he was smoking, and I went up and I said, my name's Bert, I'm a huge Driving and Crying fan, I said like, and then I sure I said something like, I even bought your solo album, and he was, and he just turned, and I hear that voice, and he goes... McDougal Street Blues, right back two blocks back that way, and I went, oh, "That's McDougal yeah. Street." And I went, oh, "Shut!" The- I live yeah, on McDougal. I the, didn't the even realize. Seller
2: is on McDougal.
1: Yeah, I go. I didn't even fucking realize. He goes, "Yeah, McDougal Street Blues." McDougal Blues. He was fucking. He and I told him. I said, "I just would love to buy you drinks." Said, but sit down, buy me a drink. Sit down. Let's just shoot the shit. What brings you up here? I said, "I'm a comedian. I work the door upstairs. Like oh, I love comedy. That was fucking. that bar was fun." One of my best times. That's awesome. On <clears throat> "Whisper Tames the Lion," there's a song. Good
2: day, every day. Soon the clouds will free the rain. I got
1: a fucking. I'm gonna go home and listen to that album. I'm gonna. Buy, I've just said. I'm gonna. See, I'm gonna buy that. I'm gonna buy "Driving and Crying" right now. "Whisper Tames the Lion." <clears throat> all right so we're at 210 I think that's a solid podcast oh my god that's great yeah. uh can I mention I'm gonna be
2: at Tampa side splitters March 23rd to the 26th and in Atlanta at the laughing skull uh April 6th to the 9th perfect and, and then, this weekend I'm at the punchline in San Francisco so go find them
1: February 8th to 11th while I'm in Seattle go see Tom in San Francisco uh, give him a hug tell him the machine sent you and uh I love you Burton thanks for I dude, I don't party I don't smoke pot i don't smoke
2: cigarettes anymore occasionally i'll have a quality cigar and uh, these having this conversation with you and puffing on a nice cigar was uh was a was a wonderful
1: two hour and 15 minute experience it was enjoyable man it was a lot of fun i love catching up with you uh, tom you really are one of those people that i like that i that i i, I absolutely beyond respect and love so i appreciate you doing this man. thanks man i love and respect you as well oh fuck that's how you end a podcast <laughs> All right. I hope you enjoyed that podcast. This is the after podcast where we talk black sales. Black sales bonus. Black sales bonus. With me is my wife, Kelly.
0: Kelly? <laughs> Her
1: name's Kelly Leanne. Kelly. Leanne Kreischer. Leanne, I have questions.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Shoot. So walk me through what we saw tonight real quick. First off, <laughs> what the fuck was up with Billy Bones and... Flint having a gunfight right before they fight the British.
0: Well they didn't fight the British, they retreated.
1: No no Okay, but did Billy retreat?
0: Very reluctantly. I think <laughs> he's just fighting for power.
1: Alright, let's start at the beginning. Okay. Okay, what happened at the beginning?
0: I don't remember.
1: We are horrible at this.
0: I know. This is bad. This is what do you I mean, mean at the beginning?
1: You know, I'm can I tell you what I think we should do for Game of Thrones? What? And we should probably try it. What? Next time. What? Is have people watch it live with us.
0: And like, talk about it the whole time we're watching it? I can't do that.
1: That's, no, I not? can't do that. Because that's what I do with you. No,
0: no, no, no. No, no, no. Because I have to really focus and pay attention. Okay. Well, what do you mean what happened at the beginning?
1: At the beginning, he's dragging along John Silver.
0: Oh, that. Out- oh, with the? I thought you were talking about with Billy and Flint. Nothing no, happened at the beginning with that. them. Well, wait. You hopped subjects <coughs> on me, and, and you didn't tell me you were hopping subjects.
1: I'm not hopping subjects. I'm trying to do it. Screw schematically
0: Oh, schematically you yeah. mean like um, give me the remote control
1: I got an idea big brain
0: okay give you the remote control yeah we're not going to replay it
1: no I'm not replaying it and, and first of all I'll replay it if I want to replay it
0: no we're not going to I'm do not that
1: replaying people.
0: it in the beginning we see a pirate dragging Long John Silver down the beach and we don't know who this pirate is Right? I knew
1: that guy was getting killed by the way well, spoiler alert! We should name this this post part spoiler alert of Black sales. Have you not seen Black sales? Don't listen to this.
0: <laughs> that would be everybody. And by the way, I think
1: this works a lot better when I'm hammered.
0: You do? Why?
1: I think it, I don't know because I think that you really get to see our relationship.
0: Oh, you don't think we have a good relationship when you're not hammered? What if
1: we did a podcast about QVC?
0: We could do that.
1: I, that, what if that was your podcast and you're just like, oh, my God, these lock and lock 12-piece mini square and round storage sets are really moving.
0: Oh, goodness. Feature Look at Feature price, her $21. Do. How but many have Nobody wants to hear this. We're, we're talking about black okay, sales.
1: Okay, okay. I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming. I don't
0: know what you're doing.
1: I'm going to black sales so I can fast forward and go, oh, yeah, that's right. I was confused about this.
0: <coughs> I don't know if this is the best format for this.
1: It doesn't matter. There is no format. I don't know why you're worried about format. Look, what I'll just do is put it on fast forward and we can talk about it. Okay. Okay. Thank God I'm not watching that movie about TV show about child abduction, The Missing. Okay. So he drags Long John Silver and then the Long John Silver kind of scoops him. Says, I've heard stories about you. Right. Right?
0: Yeah. He's a character from Treasure Island. You freaked
1: out. Who is that character? I've heard about him. He
0: is Hand. If I'm not mistaken... He is the, in Treasure Island, he is the pirate that is staying in the inn where the little boy is. He's the pirate that gets the black dot, the black spot.
1: No, the black in spot the in, in the book, what's the black spot?
0: The black spot in the book, if a pirate puts a, a, black, a piece of paper that's a round b- b- black spot, yeah, that means you're marked for death.
1: Why would you do that?
0: Why would you do what?
1: Why would you put a black spot in your hand? They go. Oh. No,
0: you don't put it. Oh. A pirate gives it to you. Why like- would you
1: let him go? Uh, no, thanks for the heavy handshake. I have a feeling you have a black spot in your hand. I know we're not boys.
0: <laughs> I don't know. Maybe pirates are stupid. But he was, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, he was the pirate in the beginning.
1: Can I tell you the note we've gotten from everybody in this? Hey, man, we really love you and end, talking about this. But uh, can you please do a show we watch?
0: <laughs> well, too bad because yeah. right now this is the only show we watch together.
1: All right, Max is turning into a bitch.
0: You're not watching Bloodline, so I can't discuss. Oh my that.
1: god! By the way, fucking
0: amazing show.
1: Oh, maybe we. Should, yeah, but that would be that would be tough because it's on because you it's know on the Netflix. Thing, yeah, and it's not it's not date friendly. They're trying to circumnavigate the business, so. What? Whatever. I don't name. even
0: know what you mean. But no, Max is basically what well, we. Max is the the brothel owner, the black chick, and she. Ba- they basically find out that she, her informants were sending messages to the pirates to and from Nassau, so that the pirates knew what strategies the governor had planned for this uh, battle. I will oh, yeah.
1: say, since Eleanor Claghorn not Cleghorn. <laughs> Eleanor, I think she was on Saturday Night Live. Eleanor Rigby? Yes. Is that her name?
0: Yes, she lived in the church. What? Nothing. Eleanor Rigby. Never mind. Her last name's not Rigby.
1: What's her name? Eleanor? Uh,
0: Eleanor. Guthrie. Eleanor Every, Guthrie. Ever, ever
1: since she stopped eating pussy, she's gotten massively less interesting.
0: There's no sexy these first two episodes no at all. No
1: fucking shit, Steinberg. No
0: naked nothing.
1: What the fuck's going on? And by Steinberg, I'm referring to the showrunner, Jason Steinberg, who was on the podcast
0: the creator yeah the, the creator mm-hmm.
1: so no nudity which kind of sucks i will tell you and bonnie is hot as fucking shit
0: she's beautiful yeah like
1: if i had an opportunity to have sex with her would you green like that no why not
0: because that's just not gonna happen okay hold
1: on <laughs> say we could flip flop it and you get to take a night with jack reaper not jack reaper
0: <laughs> what maybe jack, you should be hammered
1: jack not jack reacher jack Rackham's. rackham jack rackham jack rackham uh, you get a night with Jack Rackham?
0: No, no, no. But
1: he likes you.
0: He's not my kind. No, no but okay.
1: So okay, uh, Long John Silver.
0: He's not my type. Bullshit. Either. Long
1: John Silver's it's not Billy your Bones type. Billy Bones
0: is my type. We discussed this last week. Oh, classic. that's right. Did that's right.
1: If you get a night with Billy Bones and I get a night with Anne Bonny, no. and by the way, by the way, and they tell you secrets about what's going to happen. The
0: problem up. is, I could forget about your night with Anne Bonny. You would never be able to forget about my night with with Billy Bones.
1: No, because trust me you Aunt would never bonnie, you would
0: always say i'm never gonna look as
1: good as billy Bones." i would never say that i'm
0: never gonna look as good i'm a 34 inch waist and it's still not good enough
1: i would never i would not i would i'd be like i'd be like man steroids is gonna ravage his body one day <laughs> you would never be able to forgive and Bonnie. because an you and ann bonnie to mine. <laughs> shut up you'd never be able to forgive ann bonnie because you'd be like god we kind of look alike
0: no i think i could forgive it I'd be like, post, God, this. that's one night off for me. Thank you, Ann Bonnie.
1: Oh. <laughs> you are lucky. You realize, you realize my stock is climbing right now. Is I'm, it? Oh yeah, you got me as a penny stock, but mm-hmm. I'm like blue chip material right now.
0: So who's losing the, weight? Who's the dumb one then? I I'm the one my investment is growing. You got me at the height of my
1: shit. I invested in Nokia. <laughs> Fuck!
0: You invested in Nokia.
1: I invested in Nokia and Krispy Kreams. Everyone went Atkins, and they started buying iPhones.
0: Uh,
1: so, who would you let me have sex with on this cast? Nobody. No, dude.
0: That's just not the way we work, baby doll.
1: Fuck. Okay. If you if I did come home and say I I ran into Aunt Bonnie, she was hammered, and she kissed me. Would you be mad? No. Okay. All right. Cool. You heard that, Aunt Bonnie? <laughs> that girl's pretty cool. I follow her on Twitter. Oh yeah, yeah, but she would drive me up the fucking wall. Why? Because she's like uh, artist, hipster, London, like like
0: way cooler than you.
1: Not cooler than me. She just doesn't know who she is yet. So she like does a bunch of like artists. Do you know who's cool as fuck? Is fucking Jack Rackham, right? Because he's a real legit artist. Like draws, loves to do art.
0: Does he trace?
1: Great. great shut <laughs> up.
0: Does he trace? Does he have a light box and some uh, tissue paper? <laughs> <laughs> Does he trace pictures of horses? It's <laughs> okay, very pirate, very pirate behavior. Trace-
1: Shut up. <laughs> I don't trace anymore. I mean, I More. have traced recently, but well,
0: I mean, just like in the summer. Oh, at the I was beach tracing out. it this
1: summer because I was having anxiety and it helps calm me down.
0: Okay, okay.
1: Listen what, now, to, if
0: you were a pirate, what do you think your pirate name would be?
1: Oh, it would be, uh, it would be uh, Bert Squirts.
0: Score. Yeah,
1: and I'd be in charge of the bilge pump the entire time. You think so? No, it'd be uh it would be
0: I think you'd be the cook.
1: But no. I
0: think you would be the cook.
1: No, I would be <laughs> I would be the first guy to get I would I don't know, I'd probably be like cabin boy type thing.
0: Cabin boy. Yeah, I'd be like That sounds like I'd be okay. the guy
1: I'd be the guy that made and secured wine for everybody and mead.
0: Oh that that guy, yeah, the, the keeper of the mead.
1: I'd be the one that I would be the one that was cracking jokes the entire time we were on the boat, and I was like, uh, they're "Like make him walk the plank." I go, "Walk the plank, it's not that far, huh, guys? Right? Am I right?"
0: So you would be the jester. Wait, pirate? Wait, where are you guys taking pirate?
1: me? Yeah, I'd be the jester pirate. Uh, I don't. Know, I'm trying to think of pirate jokes right now, uh, but all I can think is that R.
0: Blow me down. Yeah, um, shiver me timbers.
1: I did a pirate song on one of my solo podcasts. You're, if you know what that pirate song is, then you are. Oh, I've already, I've already explored this, by the way. And if you are a real fan, like a real true Cass fan, then you know the pirate song. You don't know the pirate song because you don't listen to my fucking podcast, even when you're on it. I don't All have right. time. So so no one likes this uh, preacher guy. Uh, preach. Peach? Teach. 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 No one likes who's
0: Blackbeard? That's right. Blackbeard. It's Blackbeard. But, but-
1: Blackbeard... So those who don't know, Charles Zane is gone.
0: Charles Vane?
1: Charles Vane is gone. Yeah. Charles Vane is was part of the reason we love this show cuz he was such a fucking badass. He was. He was banging Eleanor. He was deeply in love with Eleanor. Eleanor fucked him over probably 3 times at least. And and Vane was the prodigy of Teach and he also was was the
0: He be, he mentor
1: pro- to Char- to Jack Rackham and Ann Bonnie. Right. And so he got hung at the very beginning, end of the episode, last season, the very dang last one. Bert,
0: dang. Oh, right. yeah. You said that last time. Yeah.
1: And man, that fucking sucks. Well, oh, let's cut up to it, the slaves.
0: It does. Cause he, he was awesome.
1: He was awesome. But a lot of this, a lot of this plot has to do with them trying to revenge him from
0: avenge him,
1: revenge, avenge him.
0: Well, the thing about him is he was the purest pirate. He was the purest one. Like, Flint started piracy actually through the back door.
1: By the way, spoiler alert, Flint's just gay. He's just gay. He's a gay guy running from his gay demons. That's it.
0: Well, that... that, That's the only reason he's a pirate. but But he was a pirate. He started his piracy tirade with noble intentions. And then he became really more of a pirate. But he started out trying actually to, like take over nassau from blackbeard
1: yeah and now he's and now he's just but but ultimately he's running from his gay demons that's his whole plot so like all these things like basically the thing that problem billy bones has with him is that he's like he doesn't know he's gay so it's like you ever hang out with a gay guy and you don't know he's gay and you're like are you gonna go to the club And he's like dude i thought we just me and you would just sit shirtless and play xbox tonight And you're like i don't want to do that why do you always want to do stuff i don't want to do and he's like i thought we'd go horseback riding today and you're like just me and you? Are we going to fight chicks? And he's like, I mean, we're going to fight chicks. Let's fight chicks. Does that make sense?
0: No. No, that doesn't make sense. But I am curious to know why they didn't have any kind of other relationships for Flint.
1: Just one dude. He fell in love with one dude.
0: Well, I mean, he was really, I guess, in a lot of ways in love with, uh, what's her name? That uh, that got killed.
1: I think he just, that was his beard.
0: No, but he. I think he loved
1: her. He loved her in the way that, like,
0: maybe he's by.
1: Yeah, maybe he's by. That's maybe. what it is. I he's a by pirate, I mean. There's no fucking shims back then. I think that's the new um terminology, for the new pronoun that everyone wants to be called a shim. Why? A sure. A not, sure. Not sure. Not sure. But
0: why a shim? Hat.
1: Not hat. A I shim
0: is a piece of wood you put. To level something up. Look,
1: I don't know. I don't study all this shit. I'm just telling you that no one wants to be called him or her. They want to be called nothing.
0: Oh, a shim.
1: Yeah, like she, him.
0: What about a sure?
1: That's what I just said. Oh. <laughs> the fuck? Where were you in this? Anyway. I thought
0: you meant bisexual people wanted to be called shims. They do. Oh, no. Oh, not transgender people?
1: No. No. Yeah. Everyone's bisexual now.
0: I'm not bisexual.
1: Apparently you are, and you're denying it. That's what the big thing on the street is. Everyone's bisexual.
0: I don't think I am.
1: I don't think I am either. However, if you say you aren't, it's a hate crime.
0: Man, I got a world of hate in me, because I am not bisexual.
1: (laughs) Well, I live with a racist, and I'm very Uh, cool with it. Not a
0: racist, a hater.
1: No, not a hater. The hater...
0: (laughs) Well, I thought you said a hater. You're and a hater if you say you're not.
1: No, you're racist if you say that that doesn't well, it's exist. it's not a
0: race to be
1: You're a bigot. Transgender. You're a bigot. You're a bigot. That's what it's called.
0: That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life.
1: That's what I, I, I agree 100% silently because you can't do it out loud anymore. Why
0: can't you do it out loud?
1: Well, you can do it out loud at the end of a podcast no one listens to.
0: I do it out loud to anybody who wants to talk about it. Okay. If I if
1: let's wrap this up before we get uh we get the ACLU after us.
0: I, the ACLU.
1: I don't even know what that is.
0: That's a labor union.
1: Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> are you sure? I'm pretty sure. No, the ACLU is for free speech. Is it? Yeah. Not, what are you thinking of? You're thinking of you're thinking of the Freemasons.
0: The UAW. The, <laughs>
1: So let's just get to the end of this episode. What happens at the end of this episode? What happened? By the way, this is what our dates sound like. It's just fucking me, her correcting me the entire time. Anyway, so here's Max. This is the this is where it gets good. Max gets really upset because they're hanging all the pirates. And all the pirates, they're making a big spectacle of it as to, like, dissuade anyone from ever being a pirate. And Max is like, that's not what this is about. You should just execute him, yes, but don't do it publicly because then that's going to phase everyone into being a pirate you fucking idiot and and these people and these british people by the way all i can think is how uncomfortable i'd be in this clothing in fucking the bahamas tell
0: me about it man like whalebone corset forget it
1: jesus and like all this like all this wool and sand and salt water no one ever dries off Mm. no one ever's like you know what i'm chafing super bad
0: I've never even seen anybody I think I've seen one bath in all three episodes. I mean a uh, seasons I've
1: seen a couple of baths. That's back in the beginning, they're Steinberg. Anyway, so so then they go uh Billy Bones and them go in and they go to uh revolt in this village and free the slaves.
0: No, they're Fucking they're going to take over a plantation and free, and free the slaves. Free the slaves. And then they find out that all the plantation owners on Nassau had gotten together and deci- decided to separate their slave families. So they'll put a, a mom and kids in one plantation and the dad in another plantation so that if there's ever, like, a hostile takeover like they're doing right now, they'll just slaughter all the other slaves' families so the there cannot be a slave uprising. So then the plan that Billy Bones had, which was against Flint's plan— Billy Bones planned to go in and get the slaves from the plantations and take over Nassau, But now they can't do that because of the plantation owner's plans with separating all the slave families. And then so that plan's done. So Flint's like, we have to retreat. We have no other choice but to retreat. And Billy Bones says, because
1: Flint's like, uh, Flynn's being cool. He's like, we can't do this. He's being
0: tactical.
1: Being tactical, whatever.
0: He's being smart. He's, Man, that was
1: a place. That was a part of the shit thing. When they, so then he says to Billy Bones, this is what we're doing. And Billy Bones says, grab him. And then all Flynn's men pull their guns up. Billy Bones' men pulls their guns up. And?
0: Billy Bones says, fire.
1: You're supposed to be a spoiler alert.
0: Spoiler alert.
1: Not after you say it.
0: Okay, that was a spoiler alert.
1: Oh, good call.
0: <laughs> good call, Ian. <yeah. laughs> So then they start fighting each other, and the militia's coming. So then they have only one choice. We're having
1: a surprise party for you tonight. Spoiler alert. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: go ahead. Strong. No, no. Go ahead. So
0: then they I'm end up retreating anyway. Minutes. They end up retreating anyway, which was stupid of Billy Bones. So now they've been shot at each other, and they still have to retreat. Yep. So stupid.
1: I would panic so much in, an, in a sword fight. Sword? Sword. It's, that's how you pronounce it. Sword. Um think so anyway so then we cut back out to teach who i'm starting to like teach i didn't like him at the beginning but i'm starting to like him because i like think rackham likes him they want to kill they want to kill eleanor they want aunt bonnie to go get eleanor and aunt bonnie's like fuck that i used to want to kill her i used to want to kill max now i think i'm past that little spoiler alert aunt bonnie used to fuck both of them right
0: no she didn't fuck eleanor she just fucked max
1: yeah, everyone fucks Max. That's why she fucked Max. Because actually, everyone on the island fucked Max. They were had it's a her, requirement. No, no, they had her bent over a stoop. I know, I'm joking. Yeah, and so she talks to Jack, who is the okay. I got to be honest with you. Jack Rackham is might be the best on this show.
0: He's a really great. He actor. might be
1: like I think you guys are all great, and we know how we feel about you. But Jack Rackham is a home run hitter.
0: Yeah, he's Every great. Every scene he's he is has Flint. Flint is amazing. so
1: fucking good. When he goes in to teach and basically talks about going out, going after Max and, and, and Eleanor, he's just so fucking good.
0: Yeah, he he's is. He's so
1: good. And I'm so prone not to like him because of his facial hair. Because it's so odd. Really? Yeah, it just freaks me out.
0: Oh, because of the, the the weird sideburn, the sideburn and the little teeny tiny teeny tiny thing under his lip.
1: So then, real quick, we'll wrap this up because it's it's coming it's coming to an end. Eleanor's new slam piece, which I don't like. The governor? Yeah, I don't like the governor. Why? He just rubs me the wrong way.
0: Jolly Rogers?
1: Is that what his name? Is
0: His name is is. Rogers. Does he turn into a pirate? I think he turns into Jolly Rogers. Who is Jolly Rogers? He was a pirate.
1: Oh, shut.
0: Jolly uh, Rogers? How are we going
1: to wrap this up in one season?
0: I don't know. I've been thinking about that tonight watching this episode. There are so many questions I have unanswered from Treasure Island. Like how how do how does Flint die? How does Billy who There were two pirates left on the island. I don't remember who they were in Treasure Island. I need to read the book again.
1: And who? How does that guy get the black spot?
0: How did? Who gives Billy Bones? I'm pretty sure gives him the black spot.
1: Why would Billy Bones give it to him? Billy Bones even, what, never even met we him. We need
0: to know, but he how will. How are they going
1: to wrap this up in one fucking season? But
0: he will at some point. <laughs> but I know that Jolly, no, Long John Silver and a Hand have a falling out at some point. So if they're coming together now, they're eventually going to fall out. When does that happen? We're not
1: even there yet. The (laughs) hand basically says to Long John Silver... He's not
0: the hand. That's Game of Thrones. Hand. His name is like...
1: Mr. Hand.
0: Isaac Hand or something. Mr. Hand. Yes.
1: From Fast Times at Ridgemont High. That's right. says, basically, if I kill this dude and then put a note on him saying you killed him from you... To to Long John Silver, then I can get more money for you. And John Long John Silver does a great. By the way, that guy's the great too, Luke He's Arnold. A great actor. I feel bad that I don't know who. Hey Siri, who plays Jack Rackham in Black Sails? Sorry, I couldn't find anything like that. By the way, I just fucked up. Everyone listening to this because their phones just went. <laughs> so um. That guy is so good, but, man, Luke Arnold's great. Luke Arnold has this mm-hmm. great moment where he basically realizes who the guy is and tells him, I'm one of you. We're, I'm more like you than you know. I am the Pirate King. I can fucking find someone to give us more money. He reaches out to Max, gets a note to Max. Max comes out in the middle of the night, and, I, you know, fuck Max. I'm, I- oh,
0: she's going to get it.
1: Oh, she's gonna get a. She's bad.
0: getting her comeuppance. You know what she
1: is. You know what she is. She's an open micer who got a, a special and blew the fuck up and didn't have any talent to back it.
0: Maybe I, I don't know. I think she just is. Yeah her her bills come and due for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So.
1: Maybe chewing ice is the best thing to do on a podcast.
0: Maybe not. So uh, here's, here's what we know from this episode, right? Okay. We know that the governor has fled.
1: Y- yes. The yes. governor's fled. We, we told you that, right? No, Jolly we didn't. Roger.
0: Jolly Roger has, th- has fled in hopes that Teach will pursue so that Eleanor can get to Philadelphia to try and get money from her grandparents to fund Jolly Roger's st- uh, activities he's doing on Nassau.
1: Wow. I so, missed that entirely.
0: You did? Is how did
1: that you what miss they were that? talking about? I was wondering why yes. they were talking about Philadelphia. Yes. I was like, how the fuck's anyone getting to Philadelphia? Why, and why are you going to Philly? You got to take a boat to Jersey and then take, get how are you going to get, or they don't have trains.
0: I guess you take a horse and buggy. Fuck. Coach or something. But yeah, so she said to him, so we learned last episode that Jolly Roger. Well, we're calling him Jolly Roger, but he's not Jolly Roger in this episode. The the governor. The governor divorced his wife to marry Eleanor, and because he divorced her, her family, who is where all his money came from, has now seized all his assets. So he has no money to fund the activity that's going on in Nassau because – all his money's cut off. So Eleanor said this episode, she said, what you don't know about me is that my grandfather is astronomically wealthy. Now my dad, fucked uh, that up, fucked it up because he gave us a bad name and down here in the West Indies. So, but I, you know, I can't go back and, and ask him for his help because he wants legitimacy in, England and you, Jolly Roger, or the governor, could give him legitimacy. So then they can devise this plan where the governor would go on a boat in hopes that Teach would pursue him.
1: So that Eleanor could bail so Eleanor and go to Philadelphia. Go
0: to so that's what when Rackham said, "What do we do? Do we end this war now by killing the governor, or do we avenge Vane by killing Eleanor?" I that's know what they were talking. I about. know what Vane would do. What, what he's already told us what he would do. Vane did. Yeah. Because who Vane is, is fucking all about Nassau, all about owning Nassau. Yeah. So he would have gone after the governor. So that's why teach decided to go after the governor. So they're going to pursue the governor. Interesting. And we'll see. I don't think they're going to kill the governor because I really think he's Jolly Roger Rogers. You think? I do. Do you, can you hear the dog snoring on the mic? Is she dead? She's twerking.
1: All right. Um, So I think something's going on with this this video. It had 5,000 downloads and now like an hour ago and now it has 34,000 downloads. Nice. I think it's on Reddit on the front page. Awesome. All right. So do we have everything? Oh, and then...
0: So what we've learned, we've learned that the slaves are not going to be able to help the pirates overtake Nassau. They've retreated, and they have to come up with a different plan. We've learned, we've now been introduced to hand, to the pirate hand, and um, Jolly Rogers pretty much, not Jolly Rogers, Long John Silver pretty much said to the brothel owner, Max, you're going to help me, and I'll forgive you of everything you owe me. And she said no. No. And he is going to fuck her over big time. So we I know- wasn't
1: listening. Say that again. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you said.
0: Uh, the governor has fled, teaches in pursuit. Eleanor next episode probably is going to go on her way to Philly uh, to try and get her grandfather's money. That's the plan, but I don't think – I don't know if she's going to be able to because the guy the governor left in charge I think is about to put some kind of smack down on everybody on the island.
1: Oh, yeah. He put that guy that looks like uh, John DiMaggio in charge. He
0: does. Yeah. He does. So, um, yeah, I think think there's about to be a shift at Nassau, which I think is actually going to make Nassau more vulnerable, and that's part of the – one of the ways the pirates are going to be able to get in there. That is that guy's all puffed up like a rooster. And I think that's going to be his downfall.
1: Fantastic. All right. So that is our wrap up for, is there anything else? Do we leave anything else? No, out?
0: I'm sorry. It was a little rambly this time.
1: No, it was great. I think it was fine. I, look, the point is, I the, the reason I put this at the end is I know that there are people that don't totally enjoy this as much, but they just don't have to listen to it. And if they're really bored, then they get a little extra. You know, uh-huh. I think it's funny I think it's – maybe it turns you onto the show. I mean it stinks that it's the last season. So, I can't believe it. It's such a good But maybe it's show. a show that you want to get into and and follow. But uh, but it's at the end of the podcast and it's t- 30 minutes. I gave them a, t- a two-hour and 30-minute podcast that was fantastic with Tom Rhodes, which is what they came here for. And uh, and then we give them a little extra. Listen, we probably won't have one of these.
0: Not next week because we're in London and we can't watch the show.
1: Yeah, because we'll be in London. Uh, My house is getting house sat, so don't think that I'm giving you my my deets. And I do have an 140 pound, is she 140 right now? Yes. 140 pound bull mastiff that's got an issue with anyone that doesn't look like me.
0: (laughs) She is, someone is staying here the whole time. Someone's staying here the whole
1: time. So anyway, I'm just letting you know that because I did tell you I'm leaving. Anyway, and and this guy's. I know because how
0: weird. Somebody showed up and put something in our driveway.
1: Let's not Remember put that? that out there. No. Okay. Let's let, let, let just, I think get, that's freaky. It is freaky. It's not super cool guys. Like I appreciate the, the I appreciate you. Take, the love. Yeah. yeah. I appreciate the love, but that it really upsets my children. <laughs> so, so, uh, so let's They're just our keep proper channels. Let's just keep look. I don't want to just sell this fucking house. Let's just keep our distance. And <laughs> I'll be out with, I'll find you on the road. I'll come to where you are. Um, uh, mm. And uh, and I, and that's it. That's an exact thirty minutes of wrap up. Perfect. All right. I'm glad you guys enjoyed the podcast. So uh, we'll
0: have a double one next time because we'll have to watch two episodes.
1: We'll have a double one, and you know what? I'm gonna call Steinberg and see if he wants to come over to his house, come over to our house, and watch one of the ones leading up, so we get to find out why he wants to what, what the wrap up is.
0: I'm so sad.
1: I know I am too. I'm fine. i find. I want to find out what he's working on next. See if he can cast me in
0: it. So sad.
1: Um. So that's that, everybody. Uh, I love you guys. I love you, man.
0: Love you today. I
1: love you more. No.
0: Right, this episode was brought to you by The Machine.